This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Go hey. Gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live from the Valley of the Sun, Fantasy Camp Day 2. And I can't tell you, like a little kid, like it's Christmas, we have just been delivered our Fantasy Camp shirts for 2023. Yes, we were here. It's been great. You would absolutely love it. Uh, the weather, you cannot beat it. Currently, we have three games going on. This is this is this is the doubleheader. They played earlier today at 10 o'clock. You can see behind us. Games are going on. If you're listening on the stream, sorry that uh, you can't see it, but you can just visualize it. Visualize palm trees, 75 degrees. Paradise, Arizona's paradise for a few months out of the year. Uh, we learned that after that, it's like the worst place on earth. But for certain parts of the year, this place is awesome. And this is one of them. And this, as a baseball fan, as an A's fan, is where you would want to be. So we have three games going on right now. Actual real umpires have been umpiring these games as you're getting to live your dream to be a Major League Baseball player. It was funny being at lunch today. And, of course, I mean, that's the other thing, too, the spread. You get you get fed like a big leaguer, too. But so we talked to our good friend Dan Hayes is going to join us a little bit later today. He's from the Bay Area. He now covers the Minnesota Twins with the Athletic. And you'd say, okay, why are we talking Twins? Well, obviously, they're, they've been the biggest story lately. It's the the Carlos Correa saga finally coming to an end and the details of the greatness that is Scott Boris. Do we call Scott Boris a friend of the program? Uh, Yeah. I mean. He's been on the show a few times. A few times. He gave us one of the greatest stories ever, answers to a question that we never expected ever, to hear. Ever. I will have to get that audio again and play just for fun every every couple months. Well, it's like, it, it's a one, it, it's, it's. It's an answer to a question that basically almost was an interview. It's like you ask one question, and he literally rambled for like six minutes. I asked him, where, where are we with getting Matt Chapman 
at the time A's third baseman signed to a long-term contract with the Athletics? Okay, simple question. It was a simple. My my question was literally fifteen seconds long. Yeah, I'm gonna look and see if I have it on this. Computer. His answer was it was like a book. It had chapters, right? The answer went in so many different directions. Like at one point, it started talking about the new stadium. Next thing you know, he was talking about professional baseball in Japan and in Asia. We we're gonna have teams in Asia, and the whole time Cody and I are looking. I'm going, what does any of this have to do? with Matt Chapman re-signing with the A's. It had nothing to do with Matt Chapman re-signing with the A's. It was smoke and mirrors, the shell game that he plays, but that's the brilliance of Scott Boris. You sign with him for one reason, to maximize yourself as a professional athlete. I will never criticize an athlete for that. I try and maximize myself here with the athletics. Cody tries to maximize his himself. We try and get the money that's good for our families. That's what everybody does. So I'm not going to criticize athletes. But after you have signed or agreed to a deal with the Giants, it falls apart. Then you agree to a deal with the Mets, then it falls apart. Where do you go from there? Well, that's the brilliance of Scott Boris. He picks up the phone. It's Chris. He starts calling people on Christmas, on Christmas. And he starts calling the, the twins, hey, this is Santa Claus. The negotiations still open. So we'll get you all the details later in the show about how this went down. And I, I, I don't know how to put this. I don't want to get us in trouble. But I got to say, some of this medical stuff sounds pretty shady. You know, like when you start talking about physicals and why does a guy pass a physical here but doesn't pass a physical there? I mean, physicals are not, are, are not about money. I mean, they're not supposed to be. When a player goes in and you, you want to see if he's healthy enough to sign this contract, uh, to, you know, figure out what his bo- if his body's okay or not, should the body be about whether it's a six-year contract or a 10-year contract? I mean, it's kind of... You know, can he pass a physical or not? You know, did, did the Twins, when they originally signed Carlos Correa, did they not give him a full physical when they were offering him over $100 million? He agreed to a contract the first time around with the Twins for over $100 million. Even though there were opt-outs in there, you didn't know he was going to opt out. And a doctor doesn't – does a doctor actually go into the physical knowing that it's probably a one-year deal? And there's an opt-out anyway, so, eh, on the physical? I have a hard time believing these medical – uh, physicians are going to give you a different type of physical based on whether it's three, four, five, six, seven. I just have a hard time thinking that. I mean, if we had a doctor on, you think he publicly is going to admit, well, there's an opt-out in a contract. There's a chance he's going to opt-out, so I'm just going to go, hey, cough, and hit his knee with the thing, and that's it? I'm not buying that. So we'll talk to Dan Hayes coming up here. Who are all the wonderful guests? I know the former Rookie of the Year. Now, Midland manager Bobby Crosby is gonna is gonna stop. He I guess he's, he's, he's showing, coming up next. He's showing up next. The great Dallas Braden. I got one question. <laughs> How do I get? We haven't seen it. Delaire has it hanging. We'll show it to you when he gets up here. There, is, if you guys remember starter jackets from like the late '80s, early '90s, that was the craze, right? Everybody on MTV. All the rappers were wearing teams' uh, uh, starter jackets. That was a big deal. I remember the Niners' jacket was big. The Raiders' jacket was big. We have an A's old-school starter jacket. 
I would be wearing it right now. I just don't fit in it. It would look like a blanket on me. <laughs> it would look like I'm 300 pounds. And actually, since I, I've lost weight, can we get it in here to show people? The great Delaire is is uh, putting it over. This thing is so money. I bet you if we just said, "All right, we're gonna do a we're gonna do an auction for this," what we could auction this off for? I want one of these for cold days when we're doing A's Cast Live on the field. I need this exact same starter jacket. I just need it in a large. That is what we'll be talking to Dallas Braden about. Who else is coming on today? Uh, Terry Steinbach will be here. World Series champion, All-Star Game MVP, one of the great catchers of his time. So we're supposed to have Greg Catteray. Caddy, uh, traded for Ricky Henderson, but also a terrific pitcher, was a part of the 1988 AL champion Oakland Athletics, who eventually lost, unfortunately, to Kirk Gibson and the Dodgers. He will be here. I'm trying to think uh, if we're forgetting anyone. I, I'm sure we are. We already mentioned Dan Hayes, and we're going to have uh, – well. We heard from him last night. He given giving you a hard time. Mike Farron will be here at some point. Our buddy Mike Farron, who does a great job on Sirius XM Power Alley, I think it's one of not as good as this show, but one of the best baseball shows out there on Sirius XM Channel eighty nine. He lives in the Valley of the Sun, and he is um, busting our chops because we saw him down San Diego at the winter meetings. We were supposed to hook up, but he has to understand that. This trip was a business trip. It was not, hey, we're hanging out at spring training, doing dinners and stuff. This was, this was basically, we're here for fantasy camp. So he, he's going to rip us about that, but then uh, we'll deal with that and talk a little baseball with him. And, and of course, Bobby Crosby here with us. As I got to tell you, earlier today, unfortunately, his team got walked off. There was a controversial call at second base. We were watching here from the crow's nest. If this was a real game, I think you might have gone out there and contested that call. Yeah, I would have been tossed. Sorry about my voice, by the way. Yeah, dealing with people. Uh, all, it's you know, day all, two, all, and your voice is gone. Oh, oh, yeah, it's day two, but it's a, uh, it's a grind. See, your voice is like a lot of these guys' hamstrings. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Five or six yesterday. But uh, yeah, I, would, I probably would have got tossed in, in that call later on, early in the game. It was so funny. We're having lunch today, and of course they do, they put out a great spread, and we're sitting there, and this guy's got to be about fifty five or so, yeah. full uniform, but has the big ice pack on his hamstring, and he's limping by us. I'm like, "Yep, it's fantasy camp, baby." It's beautiful. I mean, these people are so much fun. They they love baseball, but the injuries just don't stop. Uh, they they can't stop being hurt. It's it's uh, you know they they play their hardest, but. If you're not used to this doing this all the time, it's, yeah. it's going to happen. So for you, being around these guys, of course, so many of them watch you play, right? Yeah. I just, just what is it like having your team and you know these guys and gals are out there and they're giving you everything they got? It's good. They, they want to impress, and they, uh, you know, they have they have so many questions, and they, they have their own stories on on when I played or when Dallas played or Stu or all these guys. Um, so they want to tell you their experience on how you impacted what. Um, you know, their life in some form or fashion. And uh, I've been doing this for four or five years now, and I have so many of my own stories now and, and different things that are so much fun to me, and that's why I keep coming back out. Yeah, I, I used the word yesterday, joy. You see so much joy on these campers' faces, and that's one of the reasons why we're down here. I've been told about it all this time, 
but we've never been down. I've thought about coming down and playing in it, and then, of course, it's been canceled for the past couple of years. But the great stories about how this has been a birthday present, a Christmas present, a lifelong dream, and you think of all the people, as you mentioned some of the names, that, that, that you get to be around here, A's legends like yourself. I mean, this is like this is like the ultimate treat for a baseball fan. It is. You know, if, if you love baseball, if you love – you know, being around the guys. I mean, I, I, I think they, they love the baseball aspect, and especially the people that have been here numerous years. I think what they really love is just hanging out, which is, I mean, as baseball players, that's what we love too. You love playing the game, but being around the guys and just, you know, whether it's before or after and, and hearing stories and, and talking about things, the camaraderie is what I think really separates it. And if you like baseball, this is a spot. Yeah, after the game, drinking beers, getting iced up. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're like a big leaguer. It's it's really one of the great treats. You know, for you, how how's managing going? How much you loving it? Midland, tell us how things have been for you. I love every second of it. Uh, actually, the first time I came out here was before I started coaching, and I kind of this really got me where I was like, you know, I, I want to be in the game and I want to coach. But, uh, you know, I'll be back in Midland again for my third year managing. Yeah. It's awesome to see the guys, Nick Allen and Jonah Bryan and Dalton Jeffrey, all these guys who were started with me and now they're, you know, making an impact at the big league level is great. And I have, you know, so many other guys that are going to make an impact. But for me, it's, it's, it's everything. I love it so much more than I did playing. But uh, it's just I'm doing what I'm, I guess, meant to do. You know, that conversation, we've talked with Fran Reardon about this, AAA manager, about telling guys for the first time they're moving up. What's it like for you? When you're getting to tell a guy, hey, you're now going to AAA. Now, we haven't really moved anybody up from AA to the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, Derek, uh, David Forrest down at the winter meetings, we asked him. He couldn't even remember. But at some point, that could happen to you. Yeah. I mean, you could be telling a guy, you're going to the big leagues. What's that conversation like for you? It's, it's why, you know, that's kind of what you do. You for. I mean, we know as players, you know, I've experienced those things. And, and you know what the guy is feeling. Um, you know, so to be able to tell a guy he's moving on to a next step. I mean, to make it a double A is, is a big step for a yeah. lot of guys who, you know, get into pro up. But triple A and, you know, most you know, obviously triple A is what I'm telling them they're going to. They're, they're that far away from the big leagues. So to see it on these guys' faces, all the hard work they put in, so, you know, that's why we love doing it. And what are the conversations like for you as a manager when you get guys to double A and now, now you're hunting it. Now you got a shot, right? Now you got a shot at the big leagues when you get to the double A. Uh, what are the, what's, what's like a lot of the advice that you pass along to players since you've gone through the process when you're looking at a guy and you're going to see his potential? You know if this guy's really got a chance. H- how do you help him along? Every guy is different. I mean, I don't think you can coach one guy the same way. So there could be a guy that needs me to talk to him. Um, there could be a guy that wants me to work with him on the field or whatever it is. So, you know, anything that I can impart on my career, um, it could be a bad thing or a good thing. I think I'm blessed to have the injuries I had in, in a sense because um, I know what guys go through when they get hurt. Same thing with the successes. So there's different parts that I experience as a player I get to give these guys. Um, so it's not one message. It's different for every player. And I guess that's my biggest part is knowing who these guys are and loving them and caring. Yeah, you think about that, and I'm you know, thinking back of your career, and, and when things are not going the right way, little did you know then it would be a blessing later on in your life because it would make you a better person to help people try and achieve their goals. Yeah, at that time I wasn't very happy. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for me to say now. I mean, because um, I love, you know, obviously I love what I'm doing now, and getting to impact one player's life is, is everything for me. 
but to get you know impact all you know 25 however many guys I have per year it's great but yeah, at the time it was difficult but um I'm, like I said I'm so fortunate and blessed to do what I love and and watch these guys progress and, and get to the big leagues. For you, obviously, you know, we've talked to David Forrest about this. I mean, they you're projected as a big league manager someday. And, you know, one of the, one of the main things is handling a pitching staff. How have you learned over the past couple of years? And just tell us the transition to getting better with dealing with starters, relievers, and under, truly understanding pitching. Yeah, I mean, at the minor league level, it's always different because guys are going to be on – you know, probably a more serious pitch count than they are at, at the big league level. I mean, I don't have as much a leeway as, as Koch would, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they start off the season with the low pitch count, and I have to really kind of abide by that. And then from there, it's uh, it's just evolved on getting to know the guys, getting to know their personalities and their situations. Can they handle that? They might be telling me, hey, I'm good, Bobby, but I – bro, you're not. Like, like you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're out of gas. Yeah. Um, and there's other guys that I can just see, and I'm like, okay, I'll give you one or two more hitters. So, um, you know, it's really learning the person, but the pitch count is dependent on some things, so I don't have full reign on things. But I mean, I'm, they don't at the big league level to a certain extent, but um, I guess knowing the person is first and foremost in my eyes on, on coaching a staff or, or even position players. And I know how competitive you are. This has to be tough to where you know it's about – getting players and getting them to the next level and, and, and you're trying to build big leaguers but you want to win it's torture <laughs> i mean it, it's because re- i know how competitive it, it, you it's are really really hard because um, you know i mean player development and their um their growth uh is is first and foremost winning is second so um that it, it, it can be tough where where i know a guy's dealing and i want to leave him out there totally um and i i just can't and you know, I, I and I understand that that the player's health and and his progression uh, is more important than than us winning that day. Now, I try to instill with that we have those parameters on what we can do. I think it's very important to instill winning and what what it takes to win. Um, and the clubhouse atmosphere is big for me on getting guys all on the same page and guys that want to grind together. Baseball in the minor leagues can be a somewhat individual thing if you let it be, because all these guys, even though they're with a the team. They all have different, you know, they have different goals and they want to get to the big leagues. So to, to provide a team atmosphere and guys who really love each other and care about each other and want to win together, that's uh, that's what I'm trying to do and that's what I love to do. Let's end on this because obviously we have a great A's fan base. It, it's it's a family-like atmosphere. But I've noticed down here that it's even more of like a fantasy camp family as there's so many different guys and gals that have been here for so many years, like this is my 13th year, my sixth year, whatever it is, they've been here for years. And whether it was in the hotel, uh, at the hotel bar, even yesterday, everybody's singing happy birthday to you, happy birthday. Yeah. But all the campers wishing you happy birthday, and they know you, they love you. There, there, there's that continuity down here. That's that, There's that family atmosphere that the whole happy birthday thing was really cool. Yeah, like, I mean, it kind of goes back to what I said before is I think they love just the banter and, and to be around the guys. And I think and – and I love that. I mean, I'm not just doing it because I'm here like I have to. I love talking to these people and, and getting to know them. And, you know, they have return campers and new campers, and you get to hear different stories and, and just hang with them. Like, I mean, that's what we do after games as, as big leaguers or even in the minor leagues. That's, you, you hang out with your buddies, and they become your friends. So here it's no different. People come here, and they want to be a part of – 
this whole thing. So you go and play a game after you hang out with the boys or the girls or whatever it is, you know, the, the women that are here as well, and you just have a good time. And then you get to, you know, you know, people get, I guess, better acquainted with each other. And you know, when you see the same people the, the next year, it's, it's even more fun, like, oh, we're back together again. Let's have fun again. Well, I got to tell you, I know you're really busy during the year. When you make time to come on with us on A's Cast and A's Cast Live, that means a lot to us. It, re- it really does. So we appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing you spring training and talking to you this season. I appreciate it. Sorry about the voice again. Hey, you sound like a country singer. <laughs> yeah, come on, we're in Arizona, I'm, cowboy I'm, land. I'm raspy. <laughs> Day two. Yeah, Day I two, the I voice. Yeah. I wish you would have got thrown out. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Well, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Great stuff. We got yeah. more coming up next right here from Fantasy Camp right here on A's Cast Live. Oakland Athletic Spring Training is right around the corner, and you can be When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. And we got a little A's news before Terry Steinbach, World Series champion, All-Star Game MVP, and Minnesota resident, probably very happy to be getting out of the snow and being in Arizona for the next couple of days, is going to join us here in just a few. Uh, three players have reached one-year agreements with the Athletics to get out of uh, arbi- the arbitration process. To, to, how many more guys do we have? It's a good question. I'll, I'll, look, I'll see if I can look it up. So we got it. Paul Blackburn. His salary will now be $1.9 million. Ramon Laureano, just over three point five, And Tony Kemp, will be just over 3.7. So all good news is arbitration is something that's ugly. It, it really is nasty business. It's, it's, it's a tough situation. When you go to arbitration and you're sitting across from the team and the team is going to sit there and, it, you know, you put out your number, the team puts out their number, and then the team is going to argue why you should get your number and they're going to tell you why you shouldn't get your number. And the players got to listen to what the team at just doing. And that's one thing the A's have been great about is not going not going to in front of the arbiter. 
Like, get the deal done before before that process starts because Terry Steinbach, the last thing you want to hear is the team tell you what you don't do well and why you don't <laughs> deserve the money, right? Exactly. I mean, uh, there's some players that it's not a problem for them, you know, to uh, bargain, negotiate business-wise, whatever. But I agree with what you guys just said. The majority of the players, they, they don't want to hear that. You know, they want to go in there, get a, a fair deal. Yes. You know, give, give what the market's giving. And, and, and move on and get ready to play. So for you, how nice is it to get out of Minnesota <laughs> and to be in Arizona where we're looking at, uh, I think it's around 74, 75 today. It's fantastic. I mean, we drove out. We had 16 inches of snow, you know, before we left. Um, we've had snow before that. We got everything cleared up. And my wife, Mary, and I said, let's go. So we drove down because we're staying for the whole month. I said, that, good for you. Yeah, the snow is going to be there when we get back. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're staying down. We're enjoying the great weather and just having a blast at camp. Yeah, I, and I know there's so many, like myself, you know, I was in high school when you guys had that great run. I think of all the players that are out here, I mean, we idolized that team. I mean, you guys were, I took all, you guys were like a rock show. You're like a rock <laughs> band. How big you guys You had so many stars on the team what's it like for you when you come back and all all the campers tell you about man loved watching you loved watching you play the world series all the world series what's that like it brings back a lot of memories i mean uh i think as players sometimes i don't want to say you take it for granted but you know you're caught up in the moment you're playing you're doing what you're doing you know you're going here you're winning you know and it just goes on but you don't really realize the impact that you have. I mean, when we played, we had 40,000, 50,000 people at the Coliseum. All right, now we come out here, and these are some of the 40,000, 50,000 people yes. that, that were there. Yeah. So they start bringing up stories, and they're asking great questions, you know, what it was like, what your team was like, what about this game, what about that year, what about the World Series, what about the earthquake, and it just brings back a lot of positive memories, and it makes us feel good to be able to share, you know, the stuff that we experienced with our campers, you know, hear that uh, our I really just want to find out what was it like. You know, there's nothing wrong with remembering how good you were. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's not, but I, I at least the teams that we had, there wasn't a lot of egos, you know, on there. I mean, you know, guys weren't sitting there, hey, dig me. You know, I did this, I did that. The, the, the group of guys that we had during that time, it was about winning. Do what you have to do to win, right? Yeah. And then we'll figure out. Uh, 30, 35 years later, dang, we were pretty good. You know? <laughs> we did a lot of things right. <laughs> well, you, you got to you got not only win the World Series playing All-Star, you're MVP of an All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's been one of the questions that people ask in camp. They said, hey, what was your biggest moment in baseball? You know, And they go, oh, MVP of the All-Star game. I said, very, very proud of that. I mean, that was very fun. But the All-Star game is, is, is an individual one-night performance. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know the guys that are on your team because you've been playing against them. You know, it's an yeah. All-Star team. But you don't have that two months of spring training, six-month season with them. So when I tell them that, the bigger highlight is winning the World Series, and here's why. You know, two, two months of spring training, grinding it out, a really hard six-month season trying to win your division, trying to win the ALCS, and then getting to that World Series and winning it. You know, like the Dodgers, you know, we got beat. They beat us in 88, but in 89, we were bitter. 
You want to come back and finally get that ring. And to me, that whole uh, season and that whole sense of accomplishment of setting goals in spring training, uh, trying to achieve those goals, and then actually doing it and watching that last out, you know, the final game of the World Series, is, uh, to me, probably the most memorable moment in baseball that I've had. You did something that really is very rare in a career for as a catcher because you were known as a defensive catcher, you were known as a catcher who could handle the staff, and you were known as a catcher who could hit. There's not a lot of guys. There's a there, there's been guys who've been very offensive. There's been guys who are all defense. And you appreciate those guys, right? Cuz they can throw and they can catch and they can handle the staff. You did it all. That that is something when you look back you should be very proud of cuz there's not many guys in the hit. We played this game for over 150 years and to be a complete catcher, what did that mean to you? I never wanted to hide behind the shield of a catcher. You know what I mean? Like, well, you, you, hey, you're a good receiver. You're a good thrower. You handle staff. You, you, you have to hit 210, or it's okay if you hit 200. I mean, I said BS to that. I said, if I have the ability to be a 300 hitter and a catcher, I'm going to do it. I, you know, I want to work just as hard on my, my game calling, my defensive skills, and I don't want to uh, slack off when it comes time at the plate. And uh, the one thing I thought, I mean, I tried really hard in, in, in my 14-year career. I thought that I could have hit 300 one year. And I hit, like, over 300 the second half of one season and 300 in the first half of another season. But I never had a full season, you know, where I ended up with 301 or 300 or you know, something. That was kind of a, a personal goal that I thought was – I mean, I thought it was – uh, 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 achievable for me to do that. Well, if you came back and hit 300 now, we'd call you a batting <laughs> champion. you win the batting championship Don't now. get me going on that. Uh, <laughs> we got all the old school guys here in camp, all right? <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had Carney up here yesterday talking about it. You know how, how he feels. And that's one of the cool things, too, I think, for you guys is this is also a chance for you know, at least once a year to get back and see your teammates, hundred percent. And we sit and laugh, you know, with Stu back in camp and and Carney back in camp and Shooty, you know, guys that we've had Cataray, you know, making it back. And then for us to see a little bit of that next generation, you know, of people coming in, it's it, it's fun. You know, we joke a lot, we reminisce a lot, we get to have just an absolute blast with the campers. You know, uh, uh, hearing their stories and teasing them and harassing them and and joking around. But it's it's nice to to be able to do that. And one unique thing about baseball, it's, it's like it's so hard to explain. Like you might not see someone for four months, I mean for four or five years, and as soon as you see him, it's like that. It's like it never has gone away. You, you pick up right where you left off last time and, and the laughter and the jokes. And in our particular case, uh, my wife Mary and Carney's wife Debbie are really, really good friends as well. So to get together and, and, and reminisce and catch up is awesome. From a catching standpoint, now it's one thing when – Brody Brazil blows out his hamstring in his first at-bat. <laughs> or, or someone's out here and they've thrown a couple innings. They might be a little sore. Uh, to, to me, what I've tried to explain, especially to my man Cody here, it, it's the lateral movement that you don't do in regular life. Like if you're playing shortstop, you're going left to right. The body's not used to that, that, that quick acceleration. But catching, there is nothing that prepares you for catching other than catching. You do not squat. Any time in life, unless you're getting down to look at a putt, you're not getting down and squatting at all in life. Like, I'm very impressed so far. We're in our third games, and there's guys still out there catching. They've got to be sore. 
they're out there catching, and, and again, we've taken just a couple little things out of the catching position. We don't have to worry about throwing guys out. We don't have to block balls. There are no pass balls. There are no wild pitches. There's, there's nobody advancing. So back here at camp, mostly they just have to either catch or play fetch and just get the ball you know, back to the pitcher. But it still takes uh, quite a bit for people, and each team I think is pretty fortunate to have two to maybe three guys that want to strap it on back there and just experience you know, what catching was like. Well, we talk, used to talk about it all the time with, with our great friend Ray Fossey, yeah. which is so, you know, the catching position, it's the only position you're looking at everybody and everybody's looking at you. You are, the, you are a captain. Whether that you have a C or not, you are the captain of the defense. You're calling the game. You need to know the game. But the catching position is changing in Major League Baseball. Things evolve. Things change. Yep. Uh, we just found out yesterday there's going to be the automated strike zone in all of AAA this season. Uh, how do you feel about the way the position is starting to change? Well, I think, yes, the position has changed and Major League Baseball has changed. We can spend a couple minutes on this because I'm still good friends with a lot of umpires. And in our era, you know, when I was catching, if your pitcher had the ability to hit your glove, you could get the outside corner, a couple more inches off of that, and maybe a couple more, more inches off of that to get strike three. So I'm maybe four or five inches off the outside corner, but my pitcher's hitting me right here in the chest, and I'm getting that call. Now, if my pitcher misfired and threw it right down the middle of the plate, but I'm sitting on the outside part, the umpire would call a ball. You know, and you can't complain because I want this pitch. I can't take a pitch down the middle that he misfires on. With the electronic strike zone now and with the uh, umpires getting scrutinized for every pitch that they get right or get wrong, umpires now say, I can't, if I, get, if I give you this and you throw it here and I call it a ball, they get a negative check mark. In, in their box. Yeah. So now they're they're limited to what they can do in a game. And if you have a 10 nothing game that's three hours into it, they can't expand the zone because the electronic st strike zone doesn't take into consideration. By the it, way, that's bad for us who got to talk after the yeah, game. Yeah. I need strikes when it's 10 nothing. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. And, and, and the umpires are going, hey, my hands are tied. Come on, Blue, open it up. I can't because now yeah. my, my evaluation score take you know get, get gets tanked so that's the whole part about the electronic strikes and the other thing i don't like about what what, what catching now is and it, I, hopefully it's just a phase but the catching on one knee and not putting emphasis on blocking the ball and not putting emphasis on throwing guys out and i've talked to big league catching coaches i've talked to big league managers and the analytics say that hey we don't really care if a guy steals a base we really don't care if we don't block that ball because we care more about getting pitches Goes back to our, our how we started this conversation. If we're having the electronic strike zone, right, it really doesn't matter how a catcher frames the ball or makes no. it look. To me, it'd be more. Well, I still think it's more important block the pitches so the runners can advance and be able to put yourself in the best possible throwing position that you can to slow down the running game. I.e., Tony Larusa, right? Step off, throw overs, hold the ball, hold the ball, and we try to control. He tried to control the running game with what we could do as a pitcher-catcher combination, and by what he did gave me a better throwout percentage than let's say if we didn't care well the one thing you learn from tony la Russa, every detail matters it you does. want you want to win games day in and day out it's 162 games you play for months we we're tied to adam rosales who's now managing down here yeah. in arizona with these kids who are brand new to baseball the little things whether it's at this level high school call the little things the fundamentals they win games. We did PFP all the time. Pitchers, you know. Yeah, pitcher fielding practice. Yep, and we'd hit balls to the pitcher. Not we, but I'm catching. You know, we, they got to have a catch, and they hit a ball, and they'd say, catch the ball, pull it in your chest, step and throw. 
And I say this story all the time that when Arizona beat the Yankees and Mariano Rivera, the best closer in the game, right, yeah. Hall of Famer, you know, fantastic, they lost, Arizona won because there's a comebacker hit to him. He catches the ball, he, pit, he pivots and throws, and he throws it in the center field. The runner goes from first to third, and I think it was a Gonzalez. Luis that Gonzalez, Luis yeah. Gonzalez, sack fly, game over, Diamondbacks win because of fundamental baseball. I mean, how many times has the Hall of Famer, Mariano Rivera, caught that ball, pulled into his chest, stepping through to second and made an accurate throw, and the one time he doesn't, cost him a World Series ring. By the way, we could pro- I, I think the award for best move of camp uh, goes to you staying here for a month. <laughs> well, that's when, brilliant. When you have uh, you know twenty some inches of snow on the ground in Minnesota, it kind of made that decision pretty easy. <laughs> well, we're getting on a plane to go back to the Bay Area tonight, and another storm is coming in. I know. Now, I, I mean, maybe you guys can fill me in. I know the Bay Area was dry and everything. I know we want the rain. We don't want the deluge that you guys are getting. But it's nice to see you know some moisture getting in that area that has been dry for so many years yeah but now it's like so the flooding and yeah. everything that's happening it's like my my kids have a an event in carmel this week and it got canceled already because you can't Man. get down there because roads are closed so you staying here for a month is the decision of camp <laughs> mvp baby mvp mvp, MVP. <laughs> thank you for your time and, th- and when you come on during the year it, it, it is such a treat for A's fans. It's so great when you do that, when you come on our show. Thank you so much. Anytime. It's a pleasure to come talk shop. Enjoy the month. Thank you. Not, not enjoy camp. Enjoy the month <laughs> and camp. I'll do that. <laughs> He's a World Series champion. It's great to have him right here. A's Fantasy Camp right here. A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, Addressing the three guys who avoided arbitration and signed, Tony Kemp, Paul Blackburn, Ramon Laureano. Tony Kemp, who we did decide at dinner, my my, my A's, my, my 2022 A's knowledge got tested last night <laughs> on who let off the most. And what did I say? Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp let off that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I kept hearing that. I'm like, trust me. Tony Kemp let off more than anybody last year. 103 to be exact. For the 20. I didn't know the number, but what did I say at dinner? And what over chips and salsa, and what did people say? Uh, yeah, Delaire and I argued with you and said, uh, we don't know. We don't. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's by a lot. Nick Allen had, like, I think, 11 games at leadoff, and then I don't. I, that's as far I as I went. I said Tony Kemp by a lot. When I saw Kemp had 100, I'm like, all right, it doesn't matter. No one's even close after that. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't believe you guys. As a guy who keeps <laughs> score every game, I mean, I don't. I will admit this. I don't know when it happened in my life. I just don't care about uniform numbers anymore. It's like weird. It's like there became a point in, I don't know, you know, being around baseball for as many years and as many thousands of games that I've seen. I just don't care about a guy's number. Now you make me think of what is Tony Kemp's number? I have no idea. I have no, idea. I have no idea who anybody's That's a great guess. It was. It's five. I have no – I've like – I. I I know, like when the A's, when we had that before Christmas, the Christmas party, I can. I have a better. I have a better chance identifying walk-up songs <laughs> with guys than I do their numbers, because you're at every game, and every single time you come up, Chad Penner comes up. It's Rihanna. I mean, it's. I mean, it's been. It's been for years. He's number ten. Was well, number ten. And Desperado with with Rihanna, Rihanna, right? I mean, it's like you hear it every day. You know, Mark Canada. Duh, Careless Whisper. 
No, that was Josh Reddick. That's Reddick. What was Canna? Canna did like Madonna, and he always did Material something. Material Girl or something. Uh, he did Vogue one year. Yeah, and then he went to like Mac Dre after, but he always had fun. He always had fun walk-up songs. So like when you see that and hear that stuff, oh my God, Frankie Montas's that song. Cole Irvin's cock. Uh, country, country roads? Uh, Count, yeah, country county, roads. County, county ca- roads. County roads. County roads. See, I know this, but I couldn't even tell you what Colvin's number is. Oh, man, uh, 60. Couldn't even tell you. Cole's our guy, too. 60. Oh, man. But it could be 20-something, I don't know. 30-something, I don't know. I know county roads. I know his walk-up. I was way off. He's number 19. <laughs> yeah, like I've known, but we know county roads. Yeah. No idea about numbers. Um, the two guys that I did want to talk about, and so let me give you the numbers once again um, because it actually really is important. And when you look at why did my my MLB my MLB thing change on me? All right, here we go. Uh, Paul Blackburn. When you look at Paul Blackburn, so Paul Blackburn will get one point nine million. Now, Paul Blackburn's numbers, because his last X amount of outings, I mean, we could go back to baseball reference, but his last outings got hammered. He was hurt. He wasn't playing well. His last outings jacked up the numbers, 7-6 and six with a 4.28 ERA. But before then, the guy made the all-star team 6-2 and two with a 2.26 ERA. If he's somewhere in the middle of that, so he made 21, was it 21 starts he made last yeah, year? Yeah, 21. If he's healthy and can give you close to 30 starts and be somewhere in the middle, do I think Paul Blackburn is going to go out and have a sub-3 ERA next year? I wouldn't bet on it. Could he? Yes, because he showed he did it for half a year. Paul Blackburn figured out with the new grip on his breaking ball, the new confidence. We had the red beard on this program multiple times. We had him on from the All-Star game, before the All-Star game, after the All-Star game. Paul Blackburn mentally became a better pitcher. If we can get Paul Blackburn in the threes with the ERA, and then all of a sudden you're going to give me FIP and ERA plus. Give me his FIP and ERA plus. Well, here, I, I did his first 16 starts of the year. He was, where was his right? He was 6-3 and three with a 2-9-0 ERA. 2-9-0 uh, ERA? Yeah. Uh, through how many starts? Uh, 16. His FIP was 2.9, 2.9 which is good. Very Fantastic. good. And he and that was in 16 starts. Then his next three starts after that, six earned runs, five earned runs, ten earned runs. Yeah, he wasn't healthy. Then he gave up. Then he gave up none. And then he went gave up four. Then he was then he was put on the injury list and with the finger. So you're gonna give me close to 30 starts and an ERA somewhere in the threes from Paul Blackburn. What that will mean to really do it really gives you. I, I I can I can manipulate things for for the rest of the rotation and, and whether I can manipulate it good or bad really, but I, I I can tell you this. Cole Irvin, Paul Blackburn. If I know I'm going to get about thirty starts out of those two guys, you give me sixty starts. Now what do I need to figure out? I need to figure out the next hundred. Yeah, that's that that's kind of. I know we we don't really look at baseball that way. A lot of fans don't. I mean, it's a long season. You think of 162 games. When I go into a season, I start looking at, okay, what can I get from whom if they don't have a major injury? Even if you go on 
even if you go on the DL once. Because, like, look, Verlander, who is your reigning American League Cy Young Award winner, he had the bad calf and went on the IL one time. He finished with, what, 27, 28 starts? Yeah, it was around there. I don't think he hit 30. Let me just stop so as there. long as I'm around 30, let's say. Verlander had 28. 28. So if I can get around 30, basically if I can eat up almost, if you say there's 162 games, I need 162 starts. If I can eat up anywhere between the 62 to 56 starts right there between two guys, and now I need to get just a 100 or 100 plus from everybody else, that puts me in a really good position compared to where the A's were last year. Last year it was like you're searching around going, I mean, who's starting? I mean, Austin Pruitt got a start, for God's sake. Sam threw the ball well in that start. But, I mean, that's that's where – so if I can get close to – 60 starts from two guys. Now I can really start to kind of figure it out. Like, okay, I think I can get 20-something out of Waldachuk. I think I can get 20-something out of Sears. All right. And then I start bringing in, okay, the new Japanese pitcher. I don't Futaro know. Fujina- Fujinami. I have no idea what you're going to get out of him. I have no idea if A.J. Puck's going to be a starter. But if, if, if I have two guys that can get me a ton of starts – I, I can piece together the rest of it. There might be some openers in there. Uh, you know, there's going to be an interesting battle at spring training with a lot of guys who don't have a lot of experience starting but do have some starts, and they're, they're all chomping at the bit to get, to get their shot. So starting pitching, I'm actually optimistic. I am more optimistic going into this season about the starting pitching than I am last season, no question. Yeah, because I think there's more options this year. Uh, last year, we there was a lot of young guys. Like, we knew that you would have Cap and Frankie, but we didn't know how long Frankie would actually still be with the team. And there was 12 starters. I, look, I was looked. There was 12 starters last year, including Austin Pruitt, which how many did Perry Manassian say? At least every team's going to get 13. Out? 13. So we were actually – we should have taken the under on the A's. If you if it was eleven, if you don't count that one start by Pruitt. But, I mean – No, that counts. Yeah, no, but I'm saying yeah. – Anybody – you know, it's so funny how – when the opener became the craze, people were like, oh, well, well, this guy started, you know, he started 13 times. That doesn't count. No, yes, it does. It's so, it's- Whoever starts the game, if you take the ball in the first inning, that counts. Whether you go an inning, two innings, any and two-thirds, three innings, it counts. How many starters? You're, somebody's got to start the game. How many starts do you think our good friend Ryan Stanek has in his career, the original opener? A lot. 56. Yeah, he's got a lot. Now he's not in that role anymore, and he's happy that he's not in that <laughs> role anymore. But, yeah, um, we got a bunch of guys that, I mean, I see, I'm just looking at uh, Tarnock, the new kid that got over from the Braves, right? He's yeah. got a few starts. Uh, I think I think Mahler. I we think, got the guy from the KBO, Ruzinski. Oh, Ruzinski, yeah. Or Ruch- yeah, yes. Ruchinski or Ruzinski? Let me. We went over this the other day, and I forgot already. Um, it is Ruchinski, Drew Ruchinski. Ruchinski. So he he can start some games. So you start looking. Okay, but now Adrian Martinez is still around. We're still going to play the game with James Caprillion. Even though he has the show, he has, if, if no one knows, he had uh, surgery on his right AC joint in his shoulder. So 
I, we don't really know a timeline on when he could be back. So we can probably say he probably won't make 30 starts. Will but, not make 30 starts. Yeah. But he will make some starts. I mean, you just start looking up and down. I mean, you're going to have guys. But if you can give me those two guys, if you can give me two guys that every five days that I can rely on, I'm not trying to win the division, folks. I'm not going to sit here from the crow's nest at the Lou Wolf Training Complex, Fitch Park, and convince you that we're going to battle for the ALS title. Not going to do that. I'm not even going to throw a wild card in there. I'm just trying to say competitive. That night in and night out, you got a chance at the Oakland Coliseum or wherever you are around the country. You've got a chance. And start starting pitching, you know, this whole ass uh, of starting pay. Uh, I mean, innings you're going to get. Well, let me tell you something. The A's don't get any. The A's don't get any innings from their starting pitchers. Good night now, because you already saw last year. You want what, what, what's Domingo Acevedo going to throw this year? A hundred games. How many? How many did he have having last year? Let's see. I'm going to say sixty. Domingo Acevedo threw. I'll guess. You're close. Sixty-six. Close. Seventy. He went seventy. Who had the next most on the team? Might shock you. Uh, let me look at uh, Zach Jackson. Nope, he had fifty-four. He was third most. Okay. Um, uh, hold on, let me see. He's still on the team, right? Yep. Not Sam Mole. Nope, he was fourth. Sammy spin rate was fifty-three. Mm. It's a guy that'll shock you. In, in, in a certain sense. It's not Danny Jimenez because he was hurt. Nope. It's not. Jimenez pitched in 34 games. Not Kirby Sneed. Nope. Kirby Sneed pitched in 46. I'm out of guy. I'm looking at all the pitchers on the 40-man roster. That'd be the guy that you that everyone says will never stay healthy, the great A.J. Puck. Oh, A.J. Puck. <laughs> 62 yeah. games for A.J. He was very good. He was very solid. Last year. Let me ask you, is it really smart to turn him into a starting pitcher? I think we found it. I'm, I'm not taking any credit for it, but I did say he'd be good, good as a reliever. I mean. I think you found a role for him. Is is that? Is and he's, it, he was on the field for 62 games. You know what? How about this, A's fans? The minute he goes on the IL as a starter, this guy right here is good. What are you going to be saying? Should have kept him as a reliever. As soon as, as soon as that press release hits, I'm, I'll text. A's him. have placed AJ Puck on the IL. If he's a starter, <laughs> this guy right here is going to go. I told you so. I I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I, I've worked with him. I know exactly how it's going to work. I told you his role. I sh and I'll, then what? And then and then what's David Force? Can David Force look at you and tell you you're wrong? I'm, I'll text him the day it happens. Are you, is it, you have said you're on record, and you are right. You were right last year. Can't I, I, Finally, I was right about something. I remember saying on the postgame show, I'm really never – and I don't think I ever did, I, but I said on the postgame show because the callers, they want to start – I'm like, they want to judge people, right? And that's what we do in the postgame show. We react to what happened during the game. And I kept saying it last year, and I'd some, I, I would catch myself, but – I'm not going to judge A.J. Puck as a pitcher. I'm going to judge him on whether he can stay healthy or not. So if, if, if he stays healthy, if it's the first month, the second month, the third month, the longer he stays healthy, that's how, that's how I'm going to judge him. I'm not going to judge him on, 
what his numbers are. You're going to be like, well, what is, what's his XFIP? I don't care what his fielding independent pitching is. And if you put an X there to make it now with ballparks and everything yeah. and adjust to yeah. scoring and everything, I'm Three, not going to do that. 368 for his FIP. XFIP's on a baseball reference. That's more of a that's a fan graphs. FIP is FIP is like look, think of FIP like an ERA, but it's different. That FIP's a little high because but he's that, also a reliever, not a starter. Because because they're saying for a FIP a FIP is based. I mean, I can bust the book out and read you the official definition, but it's what a pitcher what they say can actually control. I can control strikeouts, walks, home runs, intentional walks. I can control that stuff. So that's basically what FIP is. If I don't have my backpack, unless you want to get the book out and I can read it to you. But yeah, that FIP actually is pretty high. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a reliever, so he's For not, what was his ERA? Uh, 3.12. Once again, it doesn't matter. It was whether he could stay healthy. Like A.J. Puck, if we stay to what we said last year, really, he was learning, he was learning who the hell he is. A.J. Puck was learning, what's my arm slot that I can use that I can stay healthy? What are the pitches that I can throw where I can stay healthy? Because there was belief by some people that he was becoming an uh-oh, he is a career rehab guy. High potential, high draft pick, can never stay healthy. Always there's this mysterious upside. And what is he really in the end? He's a rehab guy. He's always in the – can't make the club in the tub, as they say in the NFL. Always <laughs> hurt. So he proved last year with – what did you say, 67? Uh, it was 62. 62, whatever. He, he proved he could stay healthy. So let's forget about the numbers. That's really, I mean, we really care about what AJ Puck's numbers were in, in a in a season of 102 losses in a time when he was really learning what's the best arm slot for him, what are the best pitches for him to stay healthy. Now, I just wonder. I, I see the intrigue. I understand the idea of. Well, we drafted this guy with the first pick out of the University of Florida to be an ace-like starter. Six pick. This is the same. We have the six pick this year. So, few things, a few things, and we'll get more into this during spring training, but a few things crossed my mind. Are we ever going to allow a guy to be an ace-like starter? I mean, that, 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 that would be my first question. Before you tell me we think he can he can live up finally to that potential to be an ace-like starter. Well, what is an ace-like starter? I think the definition now is the guy that goes six innings. And no, 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 no. You know, you know, you know, it's you know it's win day. It's not six innings. You you can't say a guy is an ace-like starter and he's going six innings. Well, we don't let guys go long in games, so I was just being nice. Well, that's why I'm asking. Are we going to allow a guy to be an ace? Who's that guy in South Florida that didn't go six innings? Yeah, yeah. Sandy's Sandy's really good. Who's the guy's the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner? Yeah. He wasn't going six innings. Yeah, he, had three, he led the league in innings. Well, he was a two – he ended up like 228 he, or something. He was my winner of the steak dinner that this guy still owes me, that he wanted to bet me that no one would go 200 innings. And Sandy Alcantara had 200 innings by win. <laughs> like beginning of September. Yeah, so uh, he, he – so, I think we ended up with seven so guys that had 200 innings. if you're going to allow the guy to be an ace, Okay. But if you're basically going to baby A.J. Puck every five days for five innings, I'd rather have him out of the bullpen. 
I think he has more value out of the bull. That's just me. I think anybody. Like, what? how many starts are you going to get out of him, and how long are you going to allow him to go? And if you're telling me I'm getting maybe 20 starts and at most I'm getting five innings a start, that doesn't give me a whole lot of value versus now I know I could have him out there for 60 times. And I can have him in high leverage situations, if not closing games. I, I think the the value is and there. in those some of those outings, he's going more than one inning. Yeah, I think that's that's a because he has experience as a starter. Although he's never started the game in the major leagues in three years, he's never started the game. Now they, the first two years have been short stints because of being caught up in injuries, but he's never started the game in the major leagues. I think having him come out of the bullpen, if you don't want to make him a closer, because we know that there's an undefined role in the closer with the ace. If you want to have him go longer, you can have him go an inning and two-thirds, two innings, two and a, two and a third. You know, I, I don't like to compare. I used to, I always use that comparison to Josh Hader because Hader used to do it, but Hader doesn't do it anymore. Well, not as much as he used to, but I think Puck could be in that role. He could be so oh boy. De- deadly in the bullpen for the ace. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I would stay away from Hader, and I'd also, I'd also look at this. I just looked at his birthday. He's 28, right? He's going to be 28 in April. He's never started a game in the big leagues, so you really, so are you? Is is your idea of turning him into a monster starting pitcher is to let's go baby him in spring training when he's going to be twenty eight years old? Probably not the uh, best course of action there. Why not just say, right now we got something. We we we've got a guy that let's leave him in this role. And let's see if he flourishes in this role. And if you don't think this role is important, look what the Padres gave up for Josh Hader. This role is really important. And if you're left-handed, it's even if – you, if you throw hard and you're a left-handed guy – remember Brad Hand at one point was very sought yeah. after. If, if, you're, if you're a guy that can go more than one inning and come in and strike out a bunch of people, which A.J. Puck – being healthy and comfortable and building on last year really could be that guy. It's 76 strikeouts and 66. And then and let's third. face it, he might be worth something where you possibly could trade him. And I know he, even though you're like, well, wait a minute, he was the first-round pick. But, yeah, you trade him and get some serious value once again. But I'm just saying, you want to make him into a starter, he's going to be 28 years old, he's never started a game, you're not going to baby him this spring and then baby him at 28 years old? We got more incoming. We have all kinds of balls coming our way here in the crow's nest. Once again, we're high up. If you could look behind us, the players are behind us. That's center field. That's eye level for us, the center field backdrop. So we're up here in the crow's nest amongst the four fields at Fitch Park. But I think that's an interesting conversation that we will get more into in depth and talk to people and – May may ruffle some feathers, okay, but it's just a reality. Hey, listen, this guy's never started a game, going to be 28, and if you're going to make him a starter and you're going to baby him in spring and baby him in the season, what's the point? He, you've, you've found a role where it works. Yeah, he's made 42 starts in the minors. Um, 84 games in the minors, 42 starts. He's had 84 games in the majors now. I think you found the role for him. But if you think that he has – I mean, here's some of his ERAs as a starter. Um, in 2016, if pitching in Vermont, that was low A. He had a 303. Uh, pitching in 
Yeah, it was just yeah, that was the only one. Then 2017 in Midland and Stockton, he had a 4.36 and a 3.69. Then in Vegas, he had a did he even start in Vegas? No, he didn't even start in Vegas. Um, he pitched in Stockton. He had a six ERA. Yeah, I think you find the role for him as, as a reliever. All right, the other one we wanted to get to, and I think we addressed this the other day a little bit, but it's back in the news. Ramon Laureano, who is going through his second year of arbitration, he gets a pay bump after making $2.45 million last season. To he is now going to make three point five five million, and this is a huge year for Ramon Laureano. This is a huge year because give me his age too. I don't have his age in front of me. Uh, Ramon is twenty eight. He'll be twenty nine in July. Twenty nine years old, and I love Ramon Laureano. Let me just start by saying that. I, 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 I've always thought he's a good dude. I think he's been a good A. I love the way he plays the game. I think he's got the heart of a lion. I think he's a true tough guy. Plays the game like a football player. He's definitely somebody you would want on your team. One of the greatest things I've ever seen on a baseball field is when he tried to take on the entire Houston Astros uh, <laughs> dugout by himself. I mean, that's a guy you want to play with, right? He's the kind of guy that, I mean, let's face it. He's the guy you want to play with. He's the one, you know, as baseball players, you travel, you go out, you go out at night. Sometimes things happen at night. He's the guy you want out with you at night. You know, when you're you're out of bars at night, he's the guy you want. I mean, Ramon Laureano's not afraid of anybody. He's the guy you want with you at all times. I love me some Ramon Laureano. Who was that? Who Was it the hitting coach for the Astros? It was Alex Centrone. Alex Centrone. How do you remember that? I don't know. I have a weird memory. Alex Centrone. No one even knew Alex Centrone one. Was, I think he had a cup of coffee with the Blue Jays or something like that. Well, let's see now. Now, you, now I'm curious. He's not the bench co- or no, so I thought I thought he was a bench He's coach. the hitting well, he was he, was he the hitting coach? He uh he had a negative war in his playing career. He had thirty three career. Who did he play for? Uh let's just run it down real quick. I remember was, I do remember him as a diamondback. He was with Arizona. He was in the World Series. Oh uh, no, I don't think he got a ring. Uh he was with Arizona, the White Sox, the Orioles, and the uh Nats. So whatever Cintrone was barking at, at Ramon Laureano, Ramon had enough. And that this was the COVID year, right? Yeah, it was 2020. He was the, um, yeah, 20 games. He, yeah, he was suspended 20 games. That, 2020. Was, that, that was always that was always the funny. That was, I mean, not funny, but that was always the kind of ridiculous thing about we need to protect each other. We're staying away from each other, and everybody was cool with that until there was a scuffle, and all <laughs> of a sudden, all the players are on top of each other. I mean, literally, you had Ramon Laureano and these Astros all on top of them, and it's COVID. There was a couple other dust-ups that year, too. Yeah. There was one early on, too. Was it the Angels? It was somebody. And they got into it. You're like, wait a minute. You guys all said in the Players Union, we're all worried about protecting each other, and now you guys are for no – and it was for no – it was like sir, from some small reason that all these players were up against each other and no one ever fights and everybody – that's the thing. Ramon Laureano went to fight. He was yeah. ready to fight everybody. That was real. But the dust-up early on in the season of 2020 in the 60 games, it was um, 
I'll look. I'll see if I can find it. It was the Angels or it was somebody. And uh, and it was like, hey, I thought you guys were all stressed out about COVID. That's what you said. Now you guys are all bumping each other's chest, uh, which was absolutely ridiculous. But this is a huge year for Ramon Laureano. And I don't really know what this year is for Ramon Laureano. Really, what is it? He, had t- he came back. We talked to him, and it was really cool. If you remember back at spring training last year, Ramon told him at the beginning when we got there, said, hey, Ramon, we got to have you on the show. He said, no problem. And it was towards the end of the, the, the time, our time there, and we were leaving. Remember, he came and found me. Yeah. And he was like, hey, hey, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Let, let's do the interview now. Okay, yeah, of course, of course. Um, that's the kind of guy he is. He's very thoughtful. So Ramon Laureano, by the way, Dallas Braden's wife has shown up with three kids, two dogs, and one of the dogs is a Great Dane. Do you see how big this dog is? Yes. Well, Jesus. Dallas Braden's wife has is has, has a baby, like a baby Bjorn. I don't. When my kids were young, they were baby Bjorns. I don't know what the. I new, think that's what we still call them. I don't know what the new baby carriers are. Or she's got a baby Bjorn with a baby on her chest and a Great Dane dog. And but the Great Dane is like three times the size of all three of Dallas Braden's children. The whole Braden family, including the dogs, <laughs> is in Arizona. And Dallas Braden is supposed to be joining us sometime soon. But where are you coming back from this suspension? And he felt bad. He had to own it because anabolic steroids, when you test positive for an anabolic steroid, this is not, I got something tainted at GNC. I mean, some guys have even tried to say, oh, I, I got this thing at Walgreens. No. no Walgreens. No, no. <laughs> you weren't at GNC. You weren't at uh, Muscle Max or whatever. You weren't whatever the – as you can tell, Cody and I have not been to any of these stores. I was, I, I was like, what the hell is Muscle Max? That was in our area in the South Bay. Really? Yeah. I've only ever seen GNC in Vitamin World. There was Muscle Max. I don't even know if it's still or vitamin, around. Yeah, Vitamin World or Vitamin you're not getting You're not getting your creatine or your amino acids. and. <laughs> All right, so actually, you know what's funny? When I'm at Costco, they they have they have an area in every Costco for whoever is still buying who needs this amount. I need this amount of protein when I work out because I'm trying to grow, bro. Yeah, it's today's the, grow day. I, well, I'm it, growing. It's bench press. It's when, buys, I, when I tried the tries, gym, I'm growing today. When I tried to be do the gym in like twenty, when I was like twenty one or twenty two years old, whey protein was a big thing. Making the protein shakes, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not gonna buy this powder every couple weeks. Yeah, no, yeah, it's grow day. I got it's it's chest to tries today, bro. So you do not get anabolic steroids tainted from GNC. So that's something that Ramon Laureano really had he had to own. And when he came back, this clearly like he did not want to do a long rehab assignment which is not really a rehab assignment, but you don't call it that, but when you're coming back from suspension like that. But just to tune you up, he didn't want it. I want to get back in. I want to prove. I want to show. Well, the problem was his approval was a 211 batting average, 13 home runs, 34 RBIs, an OPS of 663, which is way below average, an OPS plus of 92. Remember, 100 is your begging average, Anything under 100 means anybody could play it. He also struck it 104 times in 346 at-bats. I mean, a 92 OPS plus is bad. That's just bad. 
So Ramon Laureano, unfortunately, was bad. And as you mentioned, struck out a ton. He's going to be 29 years old. The A's have brought in Christian Pache. That's a whole other story. Uh, Estuary Ruiz is the kid that's a part of the Sean Murphy trade that a lot of people in San Diego were very high on. He was traded for Josh Hader in Milwaukee. He was a huge part of the Hader deal. Uh, They think there's a ton of upside there. I don't know what the future holds for Ramon Laureano because you say, how's the pricing for him? Well, the pricing for him, it's not a lot of money at $3.55 million. I just don't know, as of right now, who would want him. They're, like right now, after what you saw last year, he's not a player that, that he – he is not in a situation right, right now where you would acquire him and stick him in AAA for depth. He believes he's a big league starter right now. And he just signed a one-year deal, $3.55 million. What do you do? I think you have to you have to give him a chance, see if he can still improve. Because I think if he's healthy and he can add something with his back, because you know he's going to give you in, on, in defense in the outfield. Because he's a great defensive outfielder. Between the catches he makes and the throws he makes, he's always going to be plus metrics in defensive war. But can he figure, can his back come around? I mean, the year prior – in 2021, he had 246. Now, he played in 88 games and was suspended. but And the, he was also on anabolic steroids. Yeah, but the year before in 2020, he hit 213. So, I mean. So, it's kind of who are you? Yeah. Because we don't know. Right now, we can't say we know who he is. Because once you say, I need to put performance-enhancing drugs in my body, you're telling us you can't compete legally at this level. Or at, at some point when you made that bad decision, you may have been in a bad frame of mind. You might have been injured. You're trying to come back for something. It's happened with many players in all sports. Trust me, all sports. PEDs are in all sports. When they try and act like it's not in golf or tennis, they're lying to you. They're in all sports. So at some point, he made a bad decision. He was in a bad space. Right now, at about to be 29, you're in your prime your numbers in your prove-it year last year were terrible. I don't know who he is right now. It's weird. If you look at his home run numbers, too, he had 24 home runs in 2019. He also had 288 that year. His OPS plus was 129. It's, it's also good. a juice ball era. Yeah. Then, and, and we don't know what what was going into his body. Then every year after that, though, he had 6, 14, and 13. So his home runs have trailed off. I mean, it went back up because of 2020. But in 2021, he hit 14. That his numbers fell off last year. I know the suspension and everything is off the – the you know this anabolic steroid suspension, but I mean his home run numbers have gone down, so that's obviously one thing. And his and his him getting on base, he's never been a, never been a great on base guy, but two eighty seven last year, that's not good. It's not good, but I think you have to give him a chance. It's like you have to give Pache a chance. I mean this is, this is a bigger spring for Pache than Loriano, but these guys Loriano Ruiz could beat out or Pache or, or Ruiz could beat out Loriano, and then what do you do? Who would ever thought we would be sitting here talking about? There is a log jam for center field. For center field <laughs> and the outfield because let's say I ideally you don't want Seth Brown to be your first baseman. That's ideal situation. Ideally, Seth Brown is your right fielder. Mm-hmm. Ideally, he's playing right field and he's hitting jacks for you. That's the ideal situation. Right now, there there's a total there's a competition for it, which is a good thing. 
which is a good sign. There is a full-on competition outfield for the Athletics. Don't forget Connor Cable too. Well, Connor Cable to me, I got him in left. Uh, that's a fair. You know, that's a fair assessment. Connor Cable right now, I want. I mean, I can't say anybody's won any job or anybody, but after what I saw with Connor Cable, he is a guy that was was not going to get the shot. I mean, look at Bader. Bader was having a hard time getting a full-time shot with the Cardinals. It's tough to break the Cardinal lineup. Connor Capel is a guy to me who needs a shot to play. Here, here's the outfielders on our 40-man roster, too. Lawrence Butler, Connor Capel, Aletmus Diaz, although he's also an infielder, too. Ramon, Pache, Brent Rooker, who the, the A signed in the offseason, or earlier this offseason, Estuary Ruiz, and don't forget Kyle Stevenson, too. Now, I know he didn't – I mean, I don't think he really impressed too, too much when he came up. But he was doing well at AAA, so you're still probably going to give him a shot because he's still young. He's only going to be, what, 25, 24, like 27? So, well, I guess that's not really young anymore. Though. Yeah, and Lawrence Butler and Denzel Clark are the two guys everybody loves. Yeah. They're, they, they, you know, they're, they're projected as the future. So those are just some interesting notes just on the A's alone. We haven't even tackled Major League Baseball. But, yeah, the three players avoiding arbitration today in signing, uh, Paul Blackburn, could be very good for the A's. Gives you that one-two punch. Cole Irvin, Paul Blackburn. Once again, you can get close to 30 starts from those two guys. That gives you around 60 starts. Now you got to figure out the other 100. That's good. Ramon Laureano, who are you? What are you? And where are you going? And the thing, too, um, if you think about, like, if you don't have Seth Brown or you have Seth Brown playing right, but who's your first baseman? That's another whole another discussion because you could. there's multiple guys you can put there. Aletmus Diaz, Jace Peterson. Uh, Dermis Garcia. Dermis Garcia would be if Dermis could strangle that position and be that big man. Don't forget, huge international signing for the Yankees. Yankees liked him, but when you start early and you get to be 22, 23, and they have to make that decision on you, the Yankees had nowhere to put him, had to let him go. I mean, if if he could ever live up to being that guy, Dermis Garcia. He showed signs last year of being someone who has the ability to do a lot of damage with the bat. Another guy, too, is the, is the Rule 5 pick, Ryan Noda, who the A's got from the Dodgers. That's who, another who, guy. Who had some power in AAA. All right, coming up next, we're going to continue to talk A's baseball and fantasy camp. We still have, what, we still got Dallas Braden left? Greg Catteray. Greg Catteray. Farron. Mike Farron. And Dan Hayes. And one of the most interesting, I'm telling you, we may never see anything like it again, the Carlos Correa situation, where a guy agreed in principle with three different teams this offseason. 10% of baseball, Carlos Correa agreed to play for. For over, was it $865 million? Yeah, 865 I mean, it's crazy. We're getting to all that from Fantasy Camp here in Mesa, Arizona. You're listening to A's Cast Live. <laughs> A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, he's one of our all-time favorites. Great Cattery. The Caddy joins us here on A's Cast Live. Obviously a staple of fantasy camp. Former athletic. Of course, you remember him as one of the great years for a lot of you A's fans. 1988, helping get the A's to the World Series. How are you? Doing good, other than the way my team's playing right now. Yeah, we're looking out. I, it sounds like you're having a little struggle with your ball club. We're having a little struggle. We're going through a stretch where if they do hit it, 
poorly, they're hitting the perfect spot on it. You know, everything's falling in. Our few guys that hit it hard are right at people. So hopefully it turns around before long. Well, you know, it's sometimes you, you have a little bit of tough weather, but you still got a long way to go here at Fancy yeah, Camp. Yeah, yeah. The hamstrings are going left and right for these guys. So <laughs> you know, we're hoping they deplete themselves before we <laughs> – Get to the championship. <laughs> you, you, you know what's going to be tough is when you, we have a lot of guys going on the IL first game. Yeah. yeah. Well, today, Judy offered me three first-round picks for two hamstrings. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah, did you give in? Yeah. And a ham sandwich? We didn't have enough to make a trade either. So <laughs> These guys are going to have trouble getting through the airline security with all that ice packed on them and stuff. You know. So. It was so funny today watching guys walk around in uniforms and they got the ice packs on. It's like – Yep, day two. They went a little too hard on day one. Yeah, I think the players had to start a 401K for the trainers. <laughs> you know, when I think about your career, and, God, if we could put you in a time machine and bring you back, because you were one of the lefties that could go a lot of innings. I mean, you multiple times went over 100 innings in your career. The value, they saw a value in that when you played, but now the value in that is huge. Probably wouldn't be any value. They go one in and they're out of there, right? They don't let you pitch any more than that. But, yeah, it's, you can always do the uh, the what if. The guys before me said the same thing and the money I was making, and you look at it now and say, yeah, that would have been another $20 million. would have been nice. <laughs> but, but but for the first time, you know, in baseball, they're, they're now saying, well, if we're not going to let our starters to go deep, somebody's got to pitch and somebody's got to give us innings. Yeah. So the value of going more than one inning and the value of going a ton of appearance and a value of – got to look up here how many times you did it. But you, I know you did it. Looking back from the times we worked together doing TV and I looked up at your numbers, you went over 100 innings multiple yeah. times. Well, I give Dallas crap. You know, I'm like, I only started 35 times. I got more complete games than you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, you did one, two, three, two, four. Yeah. Four times you went over 100 innings. Yeah. And the big thing, you know, 70 games, you know, to go with it, too, or whatever, 60-some. So, it was a different world. You know, we didn't worry so much about down the future. It was about competing and being on the field. And then the ball, it's not just the players. The ball clubs are that way, too. They're protecting their investment. Yeah. You know, and in those days it was try to win today and try to win again tomorrow. Yeah, you do have in your career, you do have four complete games. Yeah, 35 starts. Now we get, what was it? Matt Scherzer went 200 and some starts before he had his first complete game. One of the greats today. I just, it doesn't happen. Yeah. They don't let you. Even if you're good enough, they don't let you do it. And that, it just, it's, it's hard to believe, too. Like, if you're a starting pitcher, the last thing you want to do, or that's how you were raised, you knew your arm was better than the guys in the bullpen. You knew you were better than the guys in the bullpen, so you didn't want to give up your game to those guys in the bullpen. Well, I mean, about the time I came in, that wasn't necessarily the case. You know what I mean? Before that, it was, all right, you know, failed starter was in the bullpen. You know, when Tony came along, the bullpen's changed. You know, now all of a sudden it was turning it into a five-inning game, you know, and, and Eck was getting the ball no matter what in the ninth unless it was Stu on the mound, you know. So he started putting better arms in the pen, like they do now. But unfortunately, before guys get to develop, you know, they're already putting them in the bullpen. He throws 100, put them in the bullpen. You know, we came up, we threw 140 pitches in the minor leagues, and I can test that's where you learned how to pitch. Until you get tired, you don't know how to pitch. You're throwing. And once you get tired, you're like, okay, I'm out here naked right now, man. I better come up with something. I better hit a spot. I better get that change up over that I never could get over. My career is going to be over with. So it forced you to learn. You learned about yourself, which I thought was fun. I would hate to play today. You know, just go out there and throw and, and pitching when you didn't have your good stuff was some of the most fun in the world. Well, I, I think about 1988 – 
I mean, he had a pretty decent year in 1987, but 1988, clearly the light went on. Five and two with a 2.89 ERA, three saves, 71 and two-thirds innings. You, you, you came out 58 times. What was 98 like for you? Excuse me, 88. Well, I mean, 87 was my rookie year, so that was getting your feet wet. You know, um, 88, we, we had a great team. And when you're on a great team, guys are picking you up behind you. You know, if you leave runners on base, they're taking care of it because a bullpen one bad day can totally – sway your ERA one way or the other. You can have pitch great and it doesn't look like it sometimes, you know. So um, that team was just fun. That was all about a team. And we had a bunch of young guys that we came through the minor leagues together, and we had a bunch of veterans that really knew how to play and knew what it took. The Don Baylors, Dave Parker, Stu, Carney, you know, those guys, you know, held you to a certain standard. And then we had, you know, Conseco, McGuire, Steinbach, Burns, Plunk and a bunch of young guys that learned from them. You know, in the bullpen we had Eck and Honeycutt and, and, and uh, Gene Nelson. That they, they taught us and we brought some talent along and learned from them. And you don't have more fun than that other than the World Series. Yeah, I mean, it was a magical <laughs> year other than the World Series where you thought you would have got your World Series ring. Just unfortunate. You, you ran into a completely hot Oral Hershizer and the Dodgers who just had that magic something. Things just fell wrong. You know, we thought we were great because they played uh, seven games coming in tired. And, uh, you know, game one, Gibson hit that home run. People think that was game seven a lot of times because it was such a big thing. But that turned the whole thing around because they had Belcher on the mound. Oral couldn't start because he started, you know, just before that against the Mets. So you're thinking, all right, we got him. Well, when we lose that game, now they come back with Oral after throwing his 60-some innings of scoreless ball. So now all of a sudden you're down 2-0, and that's a tough hole to get out of. You know, so we went back to the Coliseum and won one, and then that's went kind of quiet, and it was over before you knew it. 89, you, you started out really well. Mm-hmm. Then you get traded, obviously the Ricky Henderson deal. Um, and then you spend a few years in New York. How, what was it like playing in the Bronx? And that was an interesting time in the Bronx. Yeah, that was a, Not for winning. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's what people say. You know, oh, it's great playing for the Yankees. When you're winning in New York – you can't go any better, probably. When you're losing in New York, you can't go any worse. I mean, it can be miserable. They're throwing things at your family in the stands. And, all. It's just, and at that time, we went through four managers and five general managers in the four years I was there. So about the time you think you had figured out a new general manager, he has his guys, you know, and all of a sudden you were the last general manager guy. So you're getting shuffled around, and, you know, George is trying to sign free agents. And at that time, New York wasn't the number one choice. So your free agents were going other places, and you're getting a second-line guy maybe. or, And it, so it was just unsettled. It was uncomfortable. And unfortunately, my job, I was flexible enough that my job was to fill all the holes. If somebody had a little problem, hurt in spring training, hurt during the season, I need to just start four or five times so he comes back. I, hey, uh, you know, we lose Steve Howell, get suspended. Greg, I need to move you back in the bullpen. I know you're leading the ERA and, you know, leading the league in ERA starting, but we need you in the bullpen because we just lost him. You know, Steve Howe. And then, so it was a lot for me. It was stressful, but I learned a lot about myself and, you know, probably my best years of my career pitching-wise. Yeah. You know, I got to do everything. I told my wife when I got traded, you know, I was protected in Oakland. I was throwing, you know, third of an inning, two-third inning. I never went more than two innings normally. I think my first day in New York, I was in a game in the fourth inning. I got to win my first day. I went, you know, three or four innings. I'm like, we're going to find out if I'm any good or if I was just – taken care of in Oakland or whatever and you know ended up starting the rest of that year there and 
took a no-hitter in the eighth inning, you know, in like my second or third start, and I said, oh, I can do this. You know, but I never, unfortunately, in some ways I was never allowed to because I could throw too often. That was the, kind of the knock. Hey, I need you in the bullpen. You can throw every day. Oh, yeah, but I've been the best starter for the last <laughs> month here. <laughs> It'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it'll help a guy out. Was it, was it odd going through that time, too? And, and that's we've talked so much about Don Mattingly. Should he be a Hall of Famer? What a great player yes. he was. Yeah, I agree with that. And he was just he was just in town with the Marlins, and it was great seeing Donnie baseball. And now he's going to work for our good friend Dave Stewart yeah. there in, in Nashville. Was it weird going through that time with the injury and his career and the bad back? Because <laughs> we knew how great he was and what a great guy he is. Yeah, he's a great guy, great teammate. We rode in the ballpark together a lot. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. People don't take into account defense in the Hall of Fame, you know, because it's not quantifiable with a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of their metrics don't quantify that amount of balls he picked in the dirt. Um, he was phenomenal. He's the best first baseman I've ever seen. He was a great team leader, too. You know, all that crap that went on in, in New York with George. George was suspended two of the years I was there for the whole Howie Spira gambling thing. You know, uh, Winfield was there with me. We had that battle going on with George and, and Winnie and he, he coming was, off his he, bad back. He had a private investigator following Winfield trying to get dirt on Winfield. I mean, it's crazy and stuff. And that's what the Howie Spira thing was. Yeah. A convicted gambler. He's trying to get, get dirt on Winfield and George gets suspended I for said it. he was there in New York for a crazy time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was... That was all interesting that way. And, and you know, we had some really good ball players there, and, but it was just a shuffle. They were, they were trying to force guys in that were young. And New York, when you're young, it's a tough place to play, you know, to come up, especially with a team that's losing, where there's more pressure on it. So we went through Kevin Moss, you know, who came up and had a good first half, you know, for him until the pitchers figured him out a little bit. You know, a lot of young pitchers, stuff like that. So it was, it was interesting. It was tough. It was hard on the family. But uh, – I survived on it and, and think I thrived on it a little bit. What does fantasy camp coming out here every year mean to you? Sunshine. I live in Michigan now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's people who love the game of baseball. You know, so you've met – I mean, I've been doing this since 2001, I think, when I retired. Um, you know, from Dave Henderson was a good friend of mine, so I started doing it with him the first or second year after I retired. And some of these people became lifelong friends. You know, they came to my – Kids games, I've been to their kids games, and uh, you see them year after year. We've aged together. <laughs> There's no doubt we've aged. But uh, they're people that love baseball. They love the A's, you know, no matter thick or thin. So they're always good-natured, a lot of fun. Have a good time down here with them. So are, are you doing any more coaching anymore? I know you used to have your, your camps and everything. Are you doing any more? Is it now just uh – now I work on the golf course. And and yeah, I work on the golf course mowing fairways, and you know I help a few kids out. I coached up until last year. I coached independent ball. I was in Traverse City with the Beach Bums for three years, and then they sold the team, and it became a, a collegiate team in the Northwoods League. But then I did um, 2021 with uh, um, the Lake Erie Crushers outside of Cleveland, and then it was time. And I, all right, if you're living in Michigan, you don't get a better summer than that, and it's time to be home. If someone needs a coaching job in a winter for me, I'll come down here and coach. <laughs> if we're gonna start baseball in Arizona this time of the year, I'll I'll be on your I'll be on your staff. There you go, perfect. I mean, it's hard to believe. Like I, like I know people we talk about, we get here for spring training, but after like we're dealing with you know having some serious weather conditions in the Bay Area. I don't want to hear any of you guys complain. You've been on fire for five years. I don't want to oh hear any complain God. about rain. The amount of water though that we're dealing with, it's 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 unbelievable. But to come down here, it's it's. And then you got 
your old teammate Terry Steinbach, who's going to be down here for a month. He's like, we, get, get me out of Minnesota in the snow, and I'll be here for a month. We were talking about doing the same thing. Last year we had a plan, and they closed, you know, COVID right the week before fantasy camps. We ended up not coming. You know, and I got a daughter in Colorado and a son in California, so we kind of make the loop and visit them all, you know. But so, uh, yeah, next year we're discussing it ourselves. I'm like, I spent 10 spring trains in Florida. I don't like Florida that much. But Arizona, I come down here for a month. Better fishing than people realize, you know, so I get some fishing, get some golfing in. Some sunshine, can't beat it. Well, thank you for coming up. We appreciate it, and and and, and better health to your ball club. Better, be, better, better, better runs support for your ball club. It's just kind of everybody slows down, so they all get to about the same speed by the end of the week. And the, oh, guys do they? Could, the guys that could run early, both hamstrings are hurting, and they're, they're getting slower every minute. So, if this is the early part of a golf round, where are we? Really part of the golf, huh? So hit, this is the front nine. We're we, in the front nine. We've hit two balls out of bounds, you know. Chili <laughs> dipped a couple of chip shots, but we're thinking we're finally starting to find our swing and get it back in the fairway. Have a couple beers. You're going to get to the turn. Well, we went to a shot. We went past the beers early. <laughs> we're drinking Fireball now. Is that where we're at? <laughs> Tequila. All right, we're going to we're going to hit the turn. Once you hit the turn, now you got a back nine. You still got a shot on the back nine. Yeah, it's how you finish, right? Not how you start. Hey, it's great to have you on. I can't wait to have you on during the season. Be well and enjoy the rest of the camp. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming out here. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Oakland Athletics spring training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. Humanity has accomplished a whole lot so far. We created penicillin, the automobile, and the internet, not to mention drones, duct tape, and the hot dog. It's all thanks to the power of human connections. And Ring Central's here to make that even easier, more seamlessly and securely on a platform built to grow your business. Say hello to a whole new way to say hello. Visit ringcentral.com and say hello to possibilities. Ring Central. Message, video, phone, together. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. We are back at Dallas Braden Camp here in Mesa, Arizona. Lou Wolf Training Complex, also known as Fantasy Camp. But when Dallas Braden gets here, um, let's see, we have a wife, we have three kids, and we have two dogs. Can we get can we get a the the Great Dane? This is we gotta get a picture of the Great Dane here. Come here, buddy. Can we get the Great Dane Come in, here, in the shot here? Come here. Naughty boy. That's your baby right there, huh? Oh yeah. He's my baby. He's the only uh he's the only other source of testosterone I have around the house. So him and I are 
That's it. Thick as thieves. Me and my guy. <laughs> Just me and my guy. That's all you got. That's it. I got the same thing at my house. That's all I got. So I him got and a, I. I got a wife, twin daughters, and a dog, Spencer. It's me and Spence. Yeah, we roll deep. Yeah. That's it. You got to keep him close. He? That is a monster dog. Yeah, and you know what? He's honestly, Townie, he's he's just, uh, he's probably the smallest of the three Danes that I've had. I've had a female who was probably north of 200 pounds in her prime. Another male was probably about 170-ish, 180. Yeah. And, and he only goes about 140, 150 or so. Where does he sleep? Uh, at the foot of our bed on a giant orthopedic mattress. Yeah, I bet. A, a bed that you and I would be more than happy to yes. sleep on. <laughs> yes. Good for him. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he's getting taken. Now, now, food-wise, what's he downing? Oh, man. I mean, multiple, multiple pounds. He gets two meals a day in the morning, in the afternoon. Hey, and he's breakfast. Yeah. And dinner. Absolutely. So God bless him. Got to keep him rolling. But he's, uh, I mean, he's they're, they're great dogs. Uh, obviously, you can see how, how good they are with our kids. How about the other dog? Oh, yeah, she's beautiful. Ruby, she, uh, we rescued her uh, about, yeah, I'd say nine years ago or so. And uh, she's grown up with the girls. Um, they are both very, very protective of these girls. They follow them everywhere. If, if mama's got the baby in her arms, both yeah. of these dogs are right behind them. So your wife trooper, I could see her walking up today. Yeah, baby, and I, you know, back in my day, they were called baby Bjorn. Is that still a baby Bjorn? Uh, yeah, like some kind of swaddle, whatever it yeah, is. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. So she's got the baby on her chest, the two girls with her, and the two dogs. I'm like trooper. Yep, she's, total trooper. She's and she's rolled with that trio all the way to West Virginia and back by herself. She rolled to West Virginia and back pregnant with these two behind me with her all yeah. by herself. So, yeah, she is the tip of the spear in every sense. So what do you got? You got like a family vacation going on along with Fantasy Camp? Well, that's essentially what Fantasy Camp has turned into for me is just a family vacation where I then get to come and hang out with other friends that we've made at Fantasy Camp. And baseball is just kind of an extension of what we get to do out here. So it's super fun. And as you can see, I've got my girls with yeah. me. So we all come out. My grandma's out here. The whole squad. That's right. I saw your grandma yesterday. Yeah, she's here today, too. How is she doing? She's great, man. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, and, and look, you're talking about a lady who, when we were at home and and COVID had hit and it was just starting to crank again and high school sports were starting to go again, my grandmother and I were finding high school baseball games that we could just go and watch. So if you tell her baseball is being played somewhere, she's – in the stands or on the way, somehow, some way to watch. So how long are you guys staying down here? Uh, well, we're going to be here until the end of camp, so through the end of camp. Through the end of camp? Yeah, through next week. That's where the MVP of this camp we find, found out is Terry Steinbach. You, you're like, he's going to be here for a month. Yeah, he's, uh, he's like, hunkering down. Good on you. He's hunkering down. Yeah, that is, that is, that is the way to go. Yeah, well, hey, you come out. You, you, you've got. There's a lot of different things to do out here aside from just fantasy camp. So once fantasy camp kind of burns its wick, there's a lot of other things to do to, out here to, to entertain yourself. Because you guys are getting hammered in SoCal with the rain, just like we are in Northern California. Pounded, had a mudslide in the backyard, had the pool crushed. Shout out to Zach, our pool guy. He's doing a great job of getting that. Zach, back in the shape. pool guy, always key. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, bad. We're at it. My kids, they're they're thinking Carmel. They have it Saturday. Got canceled. I guess oh. that'd be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, like everything's canceled. Like, we, we have another storm coming to the Bay Area. We're leaving here 75 degrees to go to a storm tonight. Not Can't ideal. Can't wait. Not ideal. Can't wait. You guys are going to be down here playing <laughs> baseball, and I'm going to be dealing with flooding in my backyard. <laughs> Staying dry. Uh, this has become a staple for you. I think about, you know, Shooty Babbitt, who was up here yesterday. We love Mac Babbitt. Uh, he's been holding it down. But I know this means a lot to you now. This means – 
uh, Tony, I honestly, I, I can't express how much this means to me to be down here, to be able to have my family here. When we started doing this, it was just my wife and I pregnant with our first child. And now we have three children. We have a family. And this is absolutely a family affair, a family event. And as I said, I meet people and I've met people. I've got friends from Australia that we keep in contact with, that, that we talk to. And I mean, they send our, our children gifts. They're just, these are, these are awesome friendships that we've been able to cultivate. And it's because that family environment, that friendly atmosphere is the hallmark of this camp. And Dave Henderson started that. And we've been fortunate enough. I've been honored and lucky enough to be able to come back and kind of continue what he started here with a great group of his friends and I've been able to kind of be brought into that circle and and that's I mean it's an honor when I get to sit in a room and I'm walking in and it's Terry Steinbach crushing Dave Stewart for the first 15 minutes of our coaches meeting you know watching Shooty (laughs) and and Campy and the love that Shooty has for, for Campy all over the years just just watching Shooty believe it or not be be brought speechless be left without a word to say because he's just watching in awe of his childhood hero like that's the kind of stuff that happens here and then you get to share that with other people who might not have the the friendship that we're fortunate enough to have with some of these stars that we're talking about but they get to have that connection for a week here and it's been happening for some of these folks 15 15 years Tony. that's incredible well i think for, for all of us you know when we were growing up it was that late 80s team, right? Oh, and yeah. So when you get to sit here and see Dave Stewart and Carney Lansford and Terry Steinbach, and I know for a lot of the guys out here who are playing are, are like my age, so we were all like in high school when that was going on. So when, you know, when Terry's sitting here or, you know, Dave Stewart, or I get to do TV with Stu, you're always like in the back of your mind like a little kid going, oh. I'm doing TV with Dave Stewart. Always, always. I mean, I, 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 we, do the, we do the pitching clinic together here, the pitching camp, you know, the skills. And I just laugh at the idea that I'm – in a bullpen with Dave Stewart, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about pit. like you got Dave Stewart yeah, here, right? And yeah. like that's who I get to sit next to, and that's who, like you said, we get to talk to. So it's it's just a, it's a real pinch me moment for me all week long. Well, I think one of the things that for you and Dave Stewart, you have something very in common, which I think you know resonates with our fan base. Not only are you guys, I mean, he's from Oakland, you're from Stockton. We consider you Bay Area friendly. I'm in, I'm in there. You're right, you're right in the ballpark. But you're also two guys, you're not bonus babies. You look at your route all the way from Stockton through Texas Tech. Uh, I covered your whole career. You know, he's never like, no one ever said, Dallas Braden, you're going to be a big leaguer. No, no one ever said, Dave Stewart, you're – I mean, you guys had to earn everything you got in this game. And I think that's why there's a relationship that you guys have. You both understand. I think the fan base gets that. You both had to earn everything you got. Well, like, and, and not to get too intimate, but – Yesterday, there was a moment where, you know, it's it's Stu and I, and there's folks around us that we're talking to, and then him and I just start kind of talking, and we start getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the craft, deeper and deeper, deeper into the just the nuance, and I'm, I'm listening, and, you know, and I'm talking about things that I did, or and, and it, it's just, I, I look up, and it's been 25 minutes, and it's just now Stu and I, and there's nobody else around. And it's just him and I talking about the game. And I, again, like I know I sound like a broken record when I talk about Stu, but this is a guy who my mother, I'll never forget, my mother brought a Taco Bell napkin home 
And she was not an autograph seeker. She didn't know who baseball players were, but she knew that Dave Stewart was at Taco Bell doing an autograph signing in Stockton for whatever reason. So she sees the sign. She pulls over. She gets the autograph. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and like to be able to tell Stu that, like, man, I've had your autograph on a Taco Bell napkin since I was nine years old. Like, you're like. You're Dave Stewart. You're Dave Stewart. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And so it, it, it to, to be able to call Stu a friend and a close friend, it's it's a. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, that, that kind of stuff's not reserved for, for me, you know? Well, the thing is that, you know, I think about our, our beloved Ray Fossey and how the people that I knew that watched the teams in the 70s and then grew up with him as a broadcaster in the 80s and the 90s, and then as we're sitting here talking about, we're talking about, you know, we're talking whether when X shows up or Steiny or any of these, like Carney or any of the great guys from the 80s. And then you now have this other generation. You're now becoming that generation of guys that people now remember everything that you did. And so you're sitting here looking at, at Stu. Is it weird that you now have that generation? I mean, we don't want to feel older, but now we have that. I have kids who come up and say, I've been watching. They're like in college now. I've been listening to you oh. since I was. And I was like, what? Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're now becoming that and that group. Yes, and that is. that is. It's it's weird. It's very humbling because, uh, and, and honestly, Tony, think about this, man. That's a tip of the cap to you. That's credit to you. You talk about staying power, and it's not an easy business to continue to stay relevant in, if you will, or to, to maintain a certain level of integrity and professionalism those are things that you have to do to to stay in the game if you will and so i think that's a tip of the cap and a credit to you on that front so uh that's i'm not surprised by any of that that you're getting those those uh, acknowledgments and getting that love that's well deserved but it is it's it's a it's a it's kind of weird, right? Because it's weird. We've been around. Well, I'm talking to guys out here who have brought their kids out to fantasy camp, right? And there used to be an age limit on your kids coming to fantasy camp, and we knocked that down because, hey, people are, are calling. They want to be a part of it. They want yeah. to come out. And so you, you take a few years off, boom, the floodgates open. Everybody's here. And honestly, Tony, what's that, what, what's that brought? That's brought a, hey, man. Since I was nine years old, and I'm like, get your ass out of God bless it. Yeah. When it was you and Brett Anderson. And- <laughs> you still talk to Cahill? And I'm what like, about Gio? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. So I, I, I get it all. But, but again, uh, it's, it's, it's very humbling, right? Yeah. It, it's so cool because you just don't think, you know, you're walking down the street or you're at a ball game. You don't expect anybody to see you, say hey or whatever, and, and it happens. And it's just it, – it is. It's very cool. And now you have that mantle of being – one of the faces of the brand when it comes to the media, when it comes to the television broadcast. Uh, you started with the umbrella underneath home plate, which was always a lot of fun. Yes. And now expanding to being with Glenn. What has that transition been like where it's an everyday thing? You are an ambassador of this organization. Well, first of all, it's not possible without the example set for me and without Ray bringing me in the way he did and showing me the ropes and allowing me to ask the questions that I think are necessary to ask if you want to be good at whatever it is you're doing. And at times there's a situation where, you know, there might not be a a high level of interest in in someone to bring along somebody else, right? Yeah. Because Foss is a Hall of Famer, man, in, in my eyes. Like that's a, you want an example on how to do the job? That's it. It's that simple. It's it's that. Brought it every – the man every day. brought it every day. Every day. And that's where – and that was the one thing that perked me up when he started really, you know, 
given me the business, when he started laying it down for me and explaining to me, and, and what that means is, you know, just how he would keep score, what he would keep track of and why, what he would keep with him, uh, just ways he would try to form sentences and thoughts and when he was trying to bring things in, when he would back off, and all of that are, 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 are those are very important pieces to the craft. And for him to lay that out was, I mean, it was something he didn't have to do and something that he made very clear to me that the only reason this is happening is because, one, I respect you, but I, I appreciate the work ethic as well. And I think that you care as much as I do. So to your point about having the responsibility of, of being a, a forward-facing member of the band or the brand, that means a lot to me. And our fans, I mean... I, 30 other color broadcasters are going to tell you the same thing that I'm about to tell you. But we've got the greatest fans and the most dedicated fans to our team that you could possibly have. And I take it as a personal responsibility to make sure that I show up each and every day the way they show up for their players each and every day. Well, you love it. I mean, you grew up a fan of it. You then played for it. I mean, it's it's not an act. I think a lot – I mean – I'm not trying to throw any of the 30 guys under the bus, and there's a bunch of teams have multiple guys, but they do it. It's a paycheck, whatever. You do this because, you, yeah, you, you like the life. perks, but this you is, love it. You is, live it. This is life. I've got yeah. my two daughters behind me, my dogs up here, like you've already talked about. I've got my grandmother and my beautiful wife sitting across from me with our third child. So this is this is family. This is just this is what I know. This is baseball. And, oh, by the way, Cody – one thing Cody has a hard time with, he, he looked out and saw left-handed catchers. I go, that Scott Emerson's got it. You got it now. The left-handed catcher's glove. Oh, yeah. Is this, is this going to be a new thing now? Are we going to have left-handed catchers in baseball? I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. It's Come been a long time since Commander. we've seen one. Commander, there's, there's no reason, there's zero reason we should not be getting the opportunities that are out there. There's zero reason. When you think about the ability to snap to third quickly, we've got that in the bag. Think about the ability to just get it on over to first, maybe even in front of a lefty behind. You don't have to. There's a lot. There's a lot that we could be doing back there. Somebody made the decision a long time ago saying lefties can't catch. I And, and they're really, when you think about it, if we're just talking about the throw to first, because mm-hmm. now, I mean, we've got so many guys who are being raised to be left-handed hitters. I know buddies that I played with have, have turned their sons into left. you got so many left-handed hitters. Why not a lefty catcher throwing down to second base? Come on, why not? Why not? And think about this. I mean, look, rarely are they fielding the ball themselves these days, but as a left-hander, any ball I field, I really have the ability to either plant off my back foot or continue my momentum taking me to the bag through the play, right? If I'm a catcher popping out from yeah. behind home plate, you put a bunt down third base, what do I got to do? I get over there, I put my left foot in the ground, I barehand it, boom, stick it in, fire, no problem. Ball over to the right side, I pop out of my crouch, continue to momentum, make a throw on the run just like a right-handed catcher. Would. We've done lefties wrong in this sport, and it's time that there's a change. We get no love. We get no love. It's incredible. Come on. You're telling me that we've only got five positions we can play. That's it. That's all you got for me? Yeah, why can't you play short? Why can't you play third? 1989, last left-handed catcher for the Pirates. When? For the Buckos. 1989. Andrew McCutcheon's back. He is back. My whole day, I, nothing can ruin my day. That's hey, I, That was the news I got this morning on the way to fantasy camp. So today was a beautiful day for me. You trying to tell me Don Manley couldn't play shortstop? Don Manley could have played shortstop. Oh, well, I mean, we, we've seen him picking it over at third, turning double plays, turning the pivot. I mean, come on. He's Donnie Baseball. Donnie Ball guy. Please. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Always. Fans always. love you. Hey, fantasy campers love you. Great to see we you guys. We love you. Great to see you guys out here. I appreciate you guys coming out here. On, on, on the way out, the starter jacket, 
Yeah. I got to have one. Yeah. This one, I love it. It's just it's too big. Super clean though, right? Is can I get a large? Super clean. Can I get can, can there can we is we, they still make these? Uh they I'll say this. If you know a guy, you got a guy, or if your guy's got a well, guy. Well, you always got a guy. They can they can make magic happen. I but, mean, I need this. But, Ace can't, can you imagine me on the field wearing this before the game? I mean, this thing is as popping as popping gets, though. It really is. It is. Can I get one? Yeah, I think we can work I that out. I don't care Tom. what the price is, I'll pay. I think we can work that out. It could be like the Blue Jays home run jacket for us. It is a thing of beauty, <laughs> isn't it? You don't think? I mean, me on a doing this on the field before the game, you, Ace Cast Live, and, and you know what? You, you know what? We might have to get two of them. We might have to get matching oh. jackets for you and the commander, and underneath the collar, which shall be popped at some point in time, <laughs> we just get a townie and a commander on the collar. I'm buying. I'll pay. We'll see what we can. I'll do I'll get about you that. one. You want one? Well, I mean, I've got a few. We'll All see right. what we can do about that. Thank you for stopping by. Absolutely. Everything you do for us during the year means a lot. Hey, means a lot to us that you guys are a part of uh, a part of this family, and you guys do what you do for us, for the Oakland A's brand, and for the fans. Constant content, constant love for the green and gold, pumped out of a genuine place. You know how much that means to me, big dog. This is what you get when you come to fantasy fantasy camp. It does get any better. You're listening to A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome back to fantasy camp here in Mesa, Arizona. Great to have Dallas Braden on. You know, Dad. You know, it's not easy. To follow a legend. And Ray, Ray Fossey was an A's legend. A baseball legend. If you knew anything about uh, Ray around the league, he was so respected amongst everybody in the league. And I think we all know how much we all cared and loved for Ray Fossey. And so did Dallas. And to, to really have to just replace Ray was not easy. And everybody knows that, and everybody misses Ray on a daily basis. But what a job Dallas Braden has done. And a key thing about Dallas is that we all know, as fans, as A's fans, because that's what we are, we all know that what we get from Dallas Braden, as the kids say, 100. It's 100. 100. It's 100%. How much he cares about this brand this team, these players, you know, face it, a lot of a lot of the people in this organization are guys that Dallas either played with, coached him. I mean, Scott Emerson, our pitching coach, was was his coach, his pitching coach. And did, did Emo manage him? Probably. I don't know if Emo managed, but he was his yeah, pitching coach. I think he coach. was a pitching coach the whole time. So it's like Dallas Braden's career still, he's still young enough. Now, at some point, Dallas will hit that age where now everybody is not guys he played with or he was, you know, that, that happens for everybody. But he is still in that age where plenty of the people in the system, whether it is Darren Bush or it is Scott Emerson, the people around, they're, they're either people that coached him, managed him, or he played with. So his love for this organization is second to none, and just, just want to throw it out there. Uh, what a job he has done having to replace a legend like Ray Fossey because that is not easy. We didn't get a chance to talk about what Greg Cattery had to say. Um, Caddy, who's one of the great personalities, and once again, if he would have played in today's baseball, the value of a guy that can – take the ball every day, and and literally we'd say that almost like a cliche far too often. He really was that guy, 
and as a reliever, giving you well over 100 innings. Acevedo, through 70, what did you say, 72 times? Uh, 70 times? Seven, yeah, 71, something like that. How many innings did he give you? Uh, well, let's look. 70 times he took the ball. Did he give you a hundo? Uh, let's see. Acevedo, 70 games, 67 and two-thirds. He didn't give you the amount of innings he gave you in appearances. Greg Cattaray four times went well over 100 innings. I mean, think about that. And his stories about being in the Bronx in the late 80s and early 90s, you know, that's what's so funny is when you, you're in our age group and you went through, you know, when you're a real little kid and the Yankees were good and there was a battles with the Dodgers and there battles with the Royals. But then you start heading into the mid-80s, and then when I'm in high school, the Yankees stunk. They were so dysfunctional. They were a train wreck. You had the battle with Winfield. You had Steinbrenner getting suspended because of it. It was Don Mattingly in his back, and it was a train wreck. Mel Hall, at one point, if I remember correctly, was walking down the street with two cougars. <laughs> I mean, they were t- Kevin Moss. Everybody thought he was the next Don Mattingly for three months, and that turned out to not work. I mean, the Yankee. you know, these kids now grow up, and the Yankees are in the playoffs every single year. Well, when I was growing up, that wasn't the case. But some people are so young in our business. They're young superstars. They don't remember any of that. They believe baseball is Derek Jeter and the New York Yankees. And when you, when, you, when you rise to the greatness that Mike Farron has because of being such a young talent here in the Valley of the Sun, how are you, my friend? So I spent the better part of three months hearing from you. Oh, we're going to be in San Diego. We're going to see you at the winter meetings. We'll get beers. Oh, I'm going to be a fantasy camp. We'll get beers. You come by. I'm still waiting for you to dig into your pockets to provide anything for me because you are 0 for 2 this winter, big boy. That is fact. That is fact. I will say this. At the winter meetings, you were. I also can't hear you. You can't hear me? There we go. Now I can. Uh, You are correct. I own that. It was at the winter meetings, though. You were going on this big powwow with all the muckety mucks. We were just uh-huh. we were just the ace cash schmucks that we got uh-huh. introduced. You were going to some big dinner that you know we my, my money didn't matter at that point. I mean, you know, there is time after dinner before people go to bed, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially at the winter meetings, the entire event happens in a bar. For crying out loud! Well, I I, I said this. We th- this was a tough one. We didn't realize coming down here that we uh-huh. were we were gonna well we were at Top Golf. If you wanted to hang out at Top Golf, and, and I mean I would have come over to see you with it, a little bit of heads up, but it, all of a sudden I look on the internet yesterday and you're here and I'm left out in the cold again. Thanks I, a lot, Tony. We 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 flew in and next thing you know we were told we were going to Top Golf. Went, oh okay, <laughs> can't wait. Chicken fingers. Yeah, this could be great. Are you playing at Fantasy Camp? No, 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 no. Put it this way, you know? Do you know Brody Brazil? Who does? Yeah, I know who he is. I don't know him. Okay, Brody yeah, Brazil and his in his, So Brody Brazil played high school baseball. Uh, actually, for my old college teammate, San, San Jose State, John the great John Levine. Brody played for my buddy. So Brody hasn't played since high school. In his very first at bat, he blew out his hamstring. Yeah, that happens a lot at fantasy camps. Yeah. So up here in the crow's nest here at uh, the Lou Wolf Complex, I feel safe. 
Maybe next year. You've got a whole year to get into shape to participate in fantasy camp. Yeah, I'd realize year. I'd want to come out and mow these. I want to go out and pitch. I want to come out and mow these guys. So maybe maybe next – only if you will come out. If you come out, I will get on the mound. So we've got a year to train for Ace Fantasy Camp? we got a year, we got a year to get my arm back in shape, long toss, legs, and I'm going to come out like I'm Tom Seaver out here. Because you know, you know my history of baseball, right? When I was in T-ball, that my coach told me that to go play first base because that's where slow outfielders go to die. <laughs> he gave you a microphone in Little League? <laughs> Basically. I mean, I played growing up. It's not like I didn't play. I, I know how to throw a baseball. Yeah. I am a terrible hitter. I was actually a decent defensive first baseman. Yeah, yeah I'll come play with you. You give me a year. We'll, we'll do it in... My, my, January. my defense in college was no one was looking for a nine, five nine right hander. No one was. I, I was willing to now, sign. No what one kind else. of excuse is that? Mike New made the big leagues at five nine. Now he's coaching at Cal. Come on. Yeah. Well, no one. I, I was willing to sign. No one was there to sign me. That was the problem. <laughs> uh, so here we are. You know, it's funny. I've never been here. I mean. Right now, this is beautiful. I can see why oh, you live down here. This per- yeah. It's now feel – I am now ready for spring training. I am ready for baseball. I feel like it, it's got that spring training feel for me. Uh, are you? I've been listening to you. You're fired up. You're ready to start getting this thing going? Dude, I'm so ready. You know, like my season gets started earlier than yours does because I'm a college baseball guy. And so I'm like five weeks from today is opening weekend. And it opens in the Valley with a bit, the big desert invitational and the Sanderson Ford classic. And so like Tennessee is going to be here. There's a big game. Um, what the second day of the season with TC or uh, Grand Canyon and uh, Tennessee, which is going to have, you know, two or three first round draft picks in it. So um, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm ready for college baseball to start. I'm yeah. ready for the world baseball classic and I'm ready for spring training. I, let's get it all going. The next uh, this month is like, the anticipation of like waiting for Christmas. Yeah, I did the, I, I, I emceed the big uh, Santa Clara County baseball banquet uh, t- two nights ago. And David Esker, the head coach of Stanford, mm-hmm. Brad Sanfilippo was uh, there from San Jose state. Rusty, it's Rusty filter. Not Rusty. That's a saloon. Uh, that you, was the saloon last you t- night. You texted me today. No, I forget. Uh, it's Rusty something. Rusty something. The head coach of Santa Clara, Rusty something was also there. What is the, ru- yeah, the Rusty filter, Rusty filter. But we, what was it? The Rusty Saloon last night, downtown Scottsdale. Oh no, you went to the Rusty Saloon. We walked by. Yeah, we walked by. It. We walked by. It. They we didn't did walk not a go. horse into it, did it? <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. Hey, this is a business trip. This has been all about business, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Have you picked Cody? A... How truthful is a townie being with how much business it's been? been bu- it's been business. Versus... Yeah, we haven't really done a lot. I can tell you, I know the Delta Marriott real well. Yeah, we're, 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 we know that hotel in and out. <laughs> Delta Marriott in Mesa, Arizona, my friend. We 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 know it very well. So when you guys come back for spring training, will you, you'll just I assume show up, and then I'll happen to be in camp that day, and you'll be like, "Oh, I'm leaving," right? And so we won't actually. No, get we're to actually out. coming this year. We're coming early. Well, there won't be games yet because they want it, they want it where we're going to come in. They're going to feed us all the players. And then we'll we actually we'll be back later in March for for this big party that the A's throw. But I got to take you to dinner when you we're do. here before you go to before you go to where you're going for college baseball. You pick the spot. I'm taking you to dinner. It's the 21st, 21st February 21st. I'm marking it down. Make the reservation on my calendar. Uh, I will find a good place for you. Have we? Do you think in your lifetime you'll ever see a player agree to terms? With ten percent of the teams 
in 29 days <laughs> for 860 million all in one offseason. Do you ever think you'll see that again? I, I mean, can we consider Carlos Correa the highest paid player in baseball history, right? Like it's American easy. athlete ever. Right. Uh, no, I mean, I didn't think we'd see it now, but it, the story is kind of nuts, right? Like it's the, the entire issue was that teams were concerned from year seven on uh, as to what the condition of his ankle would be. And he ended up getting still, I think, a great deal for the Twins. I mean, yeah. for him, too. I mean, he could make well, close to what I think if you factor in last year with his first year at the Twins, it'd be over $300 million if he hits all the vesting options and if he stays healthy. But those first, you know, six years, he's going to have one of the highest average annual values in baseball history. It's really, I mean, he had ended up working out fine for him. And I thought it was interesting, and I'd like some to dive more into it, but you know, Scott Boris said that the the doctor that did the examination for the Giants was the same one that the Mets consulted with. So they didn't get an opinion necessarily or go to somebody outside of that. They took the word of that same doctor. I don't know if that was a second opinion, a third opinion, or a primary and sole opinion. But it may be that one doctor thinks that Correa wasn't going to hold up and a lot of others don't. And so I, I'm not sure how much of that was post-contract subterfuge and how much of that is legitimate. Um, but I, I do think it's worth looking into. And listen, if Correa posts, it's a, it's a great it's a great deal for the Twins. They get a superstar player. They've got him and the top two picks from the same draft, him and Buxton, for the next six years at least. But, you know, that makes them an instant contender in that division, always. Will you ever look at player has agreed to a contract pending physical the same way again? <laughs> I mean, I think my guess is that we can say now, well, it's pending a physical and we should be more cautious and we won't because it's not the first time we've seen a deal blown up because of a physical, right? So, and we still do the same thing over and over again. So, um, I think it's a good reminder that the physical is not a formality in some cases, and that's certainly been the case here. So, when I look at the Korea deal, I just wonder... Do you view this as good for, let's say, mid-market, small-market teams who are not going to get into the business or they don't want to get into the business for the most part, unless you're the Padres, for a 11-13 year deal? This whole, mm-hmm. we'll guarantee you six, and then after that, you got to earn everything. But if you earn it, you're worth it. Do you see this deal setting a precedent and that mid-market, smaller market teams will now look at this deal in the near future going, let's look at what they did with Carlos Correa and start there. No, because I think the only reason it happened is because there's at least some medical uncertainty, right, and enough that it impacted what the final pact would be. Remember, the Twins' initial offer was 10 years, $285 million. You know, that was the deal they had on the table. So I don't think that this impacts it all that much. I think in the end, it's more this is – what that situation is. I mean, I think it's, it speaks to, it's not all that dissimilar to the deal that they did with Buxton. Now the guarantee is significantly more, but you know, Buxton's deal because he has dealt with a ton of injuries, has a number of escalator clauses and qualifiers based on, on games played and where he finishes in the MVP race that would help to drive that up. And so the twins had experience doing that. And I think you've seen something similar with the Julio Rodriguez contract too, but I don't think that the, this structure specifically is one that, that, um, teams are going to look at and say, hey, this is the top player on the market. We're going to be able to get him for 10 years if we create all these mutual options. I think in the end, the player is going to take the biggest guarantee. When you look at this offseason, 
who are you most disappointed in? We had a lot of talk about when we were there, obviously at the winter meetings, teams we were excited about. Now that we're getting close to spring training, you're going, these guys were a dud. The Giants come to mind, I think, first and foremost. I mean, they have been – I mean, listen, I like the moves that they've made. I think they're a deeper team than they were a year ago. Um, but I don't – they've been screaming for impact, and they haven't been able to get any impact. They were talking and a so, big game. Well, I mean, they listen, they, they had a deal with Correa that fell apart, right? They made – at least as high a bid of what the Yankees did for Aaron Judge. So it's not like they weren't trying. Um, they just didn't, you know, if the if the the litmus test is don't tell me how rocky the water is, just dock the boat, the boat didn't dock, right? So it's, I mean, listen, they've tried to do it. They just haven't succeeded. I think Boston's is the other one that is just, you know, they were so far off on Bogarts. I don't know how you misread the market that poorly <laughs> on it. Um, and they, and speaking of teams that don't have impact, and now they're in a position where all of the middle infielders are off the board and their best middle infielder is going to miss at least the first half of the season because he had to have elbow surgery. So um, that's the other one that I'm just – I, I don't even know if disappointed is the right word, just perplexed. You know, the Devers extension, that was good. They needed that. But there are a number of other moves that they could have made to actually improve a roster that, again, needed some impact on it, especially after losing, after losing Bogarts. You know, obviously the AL West is something that a lot of people in the Northeast, they, they, they don't love to cover. We don't get a whole lot of love. I mean, a lot of impact people in the AL West – um, but when you start thinking about Shohei Otani, if you had to look into the Mike Farron crystal ball, what is the future for Shohei Otani, who's going to be showing up here in Tempe in about a month or a little less Man, than a month? That's a great question. I, I mean, I would think that it's he goes out, puts up a season that's similar to the last two in terms of if he's healthy, in terms of production, he sets a record for what he gets in free agency because nobody can do the things that he does. Um, and that he's going to have all of the highest powered suitors in play for him, including the angels. I mean, don't discount the angels in this in the long run. They are going to have new ownership. They are going to be playing still in the second largest market. And even though they have a Mike Trout under contract and an Anthony Rendon under contract, I mean, look, all you have to do is, is drive down the coast to San Diego and see that a market that's significantly smaller, much smaller, can, can continue to have players, multiple players on contracts like that. So I think that's the biggest thing is like if the Angels show a commitment to winning and the new owner comes in and says, listen, we're going to pay you what you, you know, we're not looking for a hometown discount. We're going to pay you at the top of the market. Then I think there's a good chance that Otani stays. Um, but outside of that, you know, all the usual suspects are going to be involved. The Dodgers, the Mets, the, the Yankees. I would think that the Padres probably would be involved. I mean, they do have Machado opting out and Darvish is a free agent after this year. You know, I would think the Giants are going to be involved. I would think the Cubs. Like any team that you can think of that's willing to spend money in free agency will be involved in in Shohei Otani. And that's going to be one of the more fascinating shows next winter is to see exactly where he ends up and how much he ends up getting because it's going to set a record, I would think. Yeah, I, I saw this article where people are talking about how 
uh, Uncle Steve coming in with the Mets has changed everything, showing everybody in baseball there's money and there's money to be spent. And I go, yeah, I get that. But to me, it's the Padres. Yeah, I mean, my 100%. God. As you know, yeah. I, I grew up in San Diego. My father always said, Mexico to the south, the Pacific Ocean to the west, the desert to the east, and the Dodgers to the north. It's not a big market. It's a big city with a lot of people, but it's not a big market. And then you see Juan Soto. Now it's twenty-three million for him this year. I mean, the money in San Diego is being spent. It's crazy. Yeah, and and you have an owner there who who continually says, "I like spending money." Right? Like, we're, we're, he, yeah. what was it? And, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit about what what he said. But we're the fifth largest city in the U.S. There's nothing we can't do, is what he said. And from population, that's what he, I mean. The, in terms of total service area, if you're looking at medium market, San Diego is significantly smaller than that. But I think his point was was like, listen, like we can spend at this level, and we don't have to really worry about it. And teams have a lot of money that's coming in through national and local television contracts. And I realize the local TV, in a lot of respects, is up in the air, especially with the Bally's, um, the Bally's affiliates, because the that um the diamond sports which oversees them is like could be headed towards bankruptcy but there's still i mean the only thing people are watching live on tv anymore is sports or disaster coverage and we can't schedule a disaster coverage so like i mean it's going to continue right sports teams rights are going to continue to be highly sought after and so yeah maybe there's i mean i think it puts more pressure on those mid to small market owners that haven't spent right like that that's where it is is if you're the pittsburghs of the world hey great story today they bring back andrew mccutcheon but also you've never had a payroll that's been a hundred million dollars and like a hundred million dollars now is like like 15 years ago a hundred million dollars was a high payroll now it's like your bar dollars is like 27th right like the median is more like 140 so yeah it's like your bar tab 100 million yeah well it's, how would it's you nothing. know it's- <laughs> all right i'm gonna get you uh <laughs> On your way out here, no one sells Sirius XM like I do. Nobody does. I listen. I don't listen to our local radio anymore. I'm doing channel 89, which is you, channel 88, which is NFL. My wife, I got my wife, I got now in her car. She's, there's all the different country stations. There's the old country, new country, outlaw country, all the different damn stations they got there. I even got Cody. Now doing Sirius Sirius XM. Well, you guys are running a great deal. I only have to pay a dollar for like a couple months. It's like next year. So I'm trying to tell A's fans, and let me tell you something. There's there's important people listening right now, including our boss, DA. I'm giving you the opportunity to tell A's fans here, my friend, how much you do like our franchise. You care a lot about our franchise. You care about the people that work inside our franchise. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why A's fans should, if they're not listening to A's cast, should tune in to SiriusXM Channel 89 for the Power yeah. Alley. Billy Owens is going to join us on Monday. In fact, I'm going to see Billy tomorrow at the Dream Series event, I think, here in Tempe. So I got invited out to that, but not to A's Fantasy Camp. No, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for what the A's organization has done, right? Like in And in, in the fact that they have with the exception of last year, which, you know, it's the first time in what 40 some odd years they've lost a hundred games that they have relatively, they've been competitive. I mean, they've been in the playoffs. They were in the playoffs for what almost half the seasons that Billy Bean was in charge. Um, I think it's a really smart baseball organization. I love Mark Kotze. I've gotten to know him a little bit better over the last year. I just think really highly of him and I love A's fans. I mean, there's, there's something about being the underdog, 
while also having the history that the A's have through three cities that I think gives you a little special edge. And I think people on the East coast don't understand that there's a different edge to Bay area sports fans than there is to what you think about when you think about California and laid, laid back and Dodger fans showing up in the third and leaving in the seventh, right? Like there's a different, there's a different feeling to it. So I have a lot of respect for the A's organization. I have a lot of respect for A's fans. Um, you know, I'm like everybody else hopeful that, that, you know, the next year provides some, some really good news off the field for the A's, but it's, it's a, it's an organization that I know is struggling at the major league level right now, but I think the right people are in charge to get them back to contention and do it soon because we've seen that happen many, many times. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. We will be back. There's always like a two, three year period, but that's just how it works. And we will be back battling for the postseason. I want people to know. Yes. Sirius XM's great, but the baseball channel's great, Channel 89. But your guys' show, you and the Duke, the Power Alley, is the best show on that station. It's second to none, really, for a talk show, whether terrestrial radio. We won't count ours because we're streaming and we're video. But for what you guys do on satellite and if you throw terrestrial, your guys' show is second to none. And 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 so if we were just counting things that stream on the internet, then we're second to you. Is that what you're saying? You might be like three, four, but yeah, I'm giving you your credit for 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 satellite, that old technology satellite, and for terrestrial. Yes, you're number one. Thank you. It's all Duke. Duke is the reason why he's great. Come on, the he's Duke's awesome. great. All your XGMs are great, but Duke Duke is such a you know deep down he's like a cool guy too. Oh, he's the like all I. The only thing you need to know about Jim Duquette is that he gave his daughter a kidney. Like yeah. that's what you need to know about the guy, right? Like the other GM, the other XGMs on your channel ain't doing that. <laughs> no, just they saying. were not getting in line. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. No offense, uh, but yes, you're and, and and you can tell both of those XGMs that I said that. I, that <laughs> I'm not that. saying anything. No, uh, just... But serious, yeah, that's the thing. And my joke is always, you know, I listen to you guys. Pretty much almost every day. I steal from you guys all the time. Yes, we know. We're America's show prep. Yeah, no doubt. February 21st. Dinner. Pick, pick the on restaurant you. on me. I'll, it's guaranteed. Good. We'll, we'll do it. I'm marketing it in. I'll find I got a good spot for us. Good, good fun spot in Scottsdale. And by the way, you mean a lot to the show. Everything you've done for us over the years, oh, it means a lot. It is true. You didn't need to come on. You didn't need to help us out. Oh, no, I had to because I am owed free stuff. And I'm <laughs> the last dive bar folks hooked me up with free stuff without me even asking. Hey, I've been promised free stuff and you're at least over two. Yeah, well, you, you're hey. starting to look like your line at San Jose State. Come on. They're going to bring Franzen in for you. Hey, the bottom line is I've tried to get in the Hall of Fame, but they said, you know how much money it's going to cost for you to pay to get into this Hall of Fame <laughs> with these numbers. And I went, well, I'd rather take Farron to dinner. It's like buying the what is it the Walk of Fame or, or the the Holly, uh, Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame right? You have to buy the star on the Walk of yeah. Fame right. So I'm like, not you even, can't even buy a spot in the San Jose State Hall of Fame. I'm not even B list. I'm like C list. <laughs> it's like not even. All right, we will be in touch. Thank you very much right. for everything you do for us. And yes, dinner we we will happen in February. All right, safe travels, guys. Enjoy the rest of our beautiful weather. Here All right, buddy, take care. See you later. Mike Farron, he's a beauty. Seriously, their show is outstanding. Oh yeah! By the way, I I was it came out while we were on the air, but it's official. Wait a minute, do we have breaking? 
Where's my bra- I have a breaking news sounder. If I'm doing breaking news, I want my sounder from the Valley of the Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. It's official. The Oakland A's agreed to terms with right-handed pitcher Shintaro Fujinami on a one-year contract for the 2023 season. The club announced today to clear space on the 40-man roster, the A's have designated right-handed pitcher Tyler Sear for assignment. No, really? Yeah. He was a great talker. He was a good interview. Press conference is what time on Tuesday? 11.30. Tuesday at 11.30. Tuesday at 11.30. And who's going to be covering that press conference better than anybody? Us. And where will it be seen? On YouTube and Twitter. And yeah, all our East Cast channels. Yeah, where we we normally see And who's going to be there covering it for you? Us. Yeah. Promote, son. This is your job. I, I know. We just did it. Well, I'm having to ask where it is. You should be telling us what what time. Where, where, yeah, where? 11, Tuesday, eleven thirty, at our office. I have a feeling we'll probably come on a little before, kind of buffer it. Yeah, we'll lead, see. Lead you up into it. Hopefully, we can have Scott Boris on. You can ask him about his logo. Oh my god, looks like the comb over. Yeah. Isn't Je- that what Jess, someone said? Jess told us it looks like the his logo looks like the comb over. Yeah, I'm going to allow you to ask that question. I, I'm going to be like, hey, uh, since Matt Chapman didn't sign with us, is baseball still going to be in Asia? When is that happening? That's the number one question. Uh, no, great news. So we're going to have Fujinami, uh, Fujinami yeah. uh, the new Japanese pitcher. As we were already told, this was a done deal. We just had to wink, wink with you. Um, we will have the live press conference. It's going to be Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. You can watch it on YouTube on the Oakland Athletics YouTube channel or on – this will be on the A's Twitter, not on the A's cast Twitter, I'm assuming. This will be on the A's Twitter? Yeah, A's Twitter, yeah. Okay, we'll, 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 and we'll make sure we'll get you because we're off on Monday, but we'll come back on Tuesday and we'll have all of this for you. Going to be a big deal. So, uh, once again, when we said Cole Irvin, Paul Blackburn, that gives me the one-two. What if this guy gives the consistency? And what if this guy, let's say you get three three guys to give you 25 starts. You start doing the math, that way cuts into that, you know, 162 that you need. And if you can get three guys to give you consistency, this guy, I mean, I, I was watching his World Baseball Classic highlights. He was throwing 92 to 94. People say he's touched 100. We'll see. We'll see you next month. You know what I want? I want quality strikes. I don't care how hard you throw. He throws 100, great. Throws 95, great. Can you throw quality strikes and give me innings? Yeah, we'll, we'll find out next month. When and we can see you him. give me a bunch of starts? If you can do that, I'll love you. Maybe he'll do both. Maybe he'll start and be a reliever. That'd be great. No, you don't need a, you don't, you don't need a tweener. What do you need a tweener for? Or maybe he's a long relief guy because you know, guys don't go long in games. We need a start. We need some starters. If you, if you throw now him in. And then you go, Walter Chuck Sears, there's your five. That would most likely be the logical five. Right. And you, now you your boy, A.J. Puck, goes back to what he should be doing, and that's throwing in high leverage out of the bullpen, giving you 60-plus appearances. Yeah. If he can do that again next year, I'm, I'm never going to leave it down. And, and allow A.J. Puck to say, hey, this spring training, this is what you do. Master it. And now you got, you got Trevor Mave, now new friend of the program. Could probably be your closer. 
And you still got Acevedo who's going to give you 70 appearances. Acevedo's going to throw his arm off. Sam Mole's going to give you a ton. Sammy spin rate. Uh, Luke Jackson is still here. What's it? Uh, Zach uh, Jackson. Zach Jackson's still there. Luke Jackson's the country the, guy. You no, know, he's the, the guy the Giants assigned that didn't pitch last year. But I also think he's a country guy. Yeah, Danny Jimenez. Danny one. Jimenez, but in, I think Luke Jackson's I, a I singer. Don't, I, don't, I don't listen to country music. See, that's the problem with that. So now I'm, you're now giving me – we're giving you names that's an actual five rotation, and we're giving you names that – Make up. We got Ruchinski is still yeah. here. I mean, you you're looking at these names. You're like, okay, here's an actual real bullpen and real starting staff. Something to get excited about. There you go. Also, get excited about this. The dates have been announced for fantasy camp next year. We're here. This is our last day here. Yeah. Dates are announced next year, January 10th through the 16th. Ace fantasy camp here in Mesa. It's your chance to become and play like a big leaguer. Be coached by Dallas, Shooty, Stu, Carney. Terry, Greg Cataray. It's a great it was a great time here. We need inform, need more information, athletics.com slash fantasy camp. And you can find everything out you need to know for next year. J- January tenth through the sixteenth of twenty twenty four. Yeah, there is no question. This is this is legit. This is incredible. This is not a sales job. This is seeing the joy, the love that these guys have for each other, but the joy on everybody's faces and the smiles. It, it, it's I mean, you get to be a big leaguer. You're in the big league clubhouse. You're you have your own locker. You get to pound the big league spread. They've got beers. Guys are icing and drinking beers like they're in the big leagues. You're out here playing double headers. Everybody gets to play. You're playing outfield. You're pitching. You're doing whatever. I mean, it's it's you're on big league fields. You have big league trainers. You're getting you're get you're getting the rub downs. You're getting the stem. You're getting you're getting all the treatment that the big leaguers get. I mean, you're play they, they played golf. We went to top golf. I mean, this week is I and I believe one night they take their coaches out to dinner. It, I mean, back at the hotel, there is a concierge little uh, room for them. So you go back there. They're with the coaches, pounding food, having adult beverages. I mean, this is just a week of what it's like to be a Major League Baseball player. I, I, it sells itself. I mean, folks, if you've ever wondered, God, do you think fantasy camp would be fun? I'm telling you right now, it's killer being down here. And while you're getting pounded by bad weather in the Bay Area, it's 70 degrees down here. Yeah. I'm in shorts. I, I mean, look at this, folks. I've been, I've been in sh- I haven't been in shorts in how long? It's been a while. It's been a while. I've been in shorts for two days. I That's- mean, this is, the weather's been incredible. This is, this is when Arizona's great. Not not June, July, August. This is when you come to Arizona. This is this is as good as it gets. So next year, January 10th through the 16th, 2024, athletics.com slash fantasy camp to find out for more information for your chance to come next year and be a big leaguer. Ready for Dan Hayes? Yes. Okay, so earlier today we had the opportunity to our old buddy Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for the Athletic. He's a kid from the Bay Area. Now covers covered Major League Baseball for years, and he's covering uh, the Twins. It's a wild story. You probably never will, you'll never see this again in your life, where a player agreed to terms with three different teams in one offseason for eight hundred and sixty million dollars. <laughs> he agreed to terms with ten percent of baseball teams. I mean, it's wild. Giants, Mets, and ends up back with the Twins. Unreal. How did it all happen? Here's Dan Hayes covers the Twinkies for The Athletic. 
Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, it's always great to have him from The Athletic. He covers the Minnesota Twins, and he's a Bay Area guy. Dan Hayes joins us. Dan, how are you in the Twin Cities? Yeah, it it is cold, but it was uh, unseasonably warm earlier this week. The uh, hot stove brought Carlos Correa to town, and and I actually made a joke with – with some of Scott Boris's, uh, his coworkers who were also in town. And it was 28 degrees on the day that Correa signed. And Joey Gallo had signed like three weeks earlier, and it was on December 21. In fact, the day that Carlos Correa, his press conference with the Giants got canceled, and it was minus two degrees that day. And so I, I turned to one of the coworkers of Boris, and I was like, hey, thanks for bringing the, the, the good vibes and warm weather to town. And they're like, this is warm? I'm like yes, this is unseasonable. This is tropical weather. It's twenty eight degrees. Yeah. Before we get into Korea, how many? How many? Uh, we're at fantasy camp. I know the Twins have a huge fantasy camp. I'm sure there's a bunch of campers either there or on their way. And how many Twins fans can't wait for Florida in spring training? Oh, it's it's amazing how many people when you get down there. I didn't know this, and like coming from the Bay Area, you know, I, I always felt like we saw a fair amount of. Bay Area people that would come down for a week, something like that, when you go to Scottsdale or you go over to Mesa and, and you know, you, you get a chance to, to meet people that are there for a little bit of time. People from Minnesota go for, like, months at a time. Um, and, and it's funny, you go back in summer because the Twins, their, their year-round facilities in Fort Myers, and their rookie team plays there, but also their uh, low-A team plays there. And if you go in August when it's, you know, 97 in a sauna – you, there's it's a ghost town nobody's there they they just come from like january and and february and march and april and then they all head back to minnesota i'm i am fully uh convinced that fort myers subsists solely of um red sox fans and and twins fans that that just move down there for four months at a time and then move away it is a it is a different time or a different uh kind of place those four months and especially with spring uh uh, spring break it's a, a big spring break town so um i think they cannot wait to get there you know especially with the way things have been uh pretty exciting for twins fans lately too all right so take us through this so the giants oh they come to uh an agreement with right just right after the winter meetings with carlos correa oh boy he's finally done but wait a minute the there there's rumors about the the physical uh, there's questions about the physical, and since there's not a contract signed, he's still a free agent. Here come the New York Mets. All right, the New York Mets, they've now agreed to a deal, but then they're seeing the same problems, and it's its the physical, and that's an issue. Take us to how this thing went down. I think it was right around Christmas where the Twins and Scott Boris started talking once again. Yeah, they did. The the Twins didn't really – they had one quick phone call on December 21st with Boris. Um, and, you know, knowing that the Giants thing was happening, they wanted to see the MRI, and Boris wasn't going to let them see the MRI until they started negotiating. And and so when they heard that, when Boris heard that, he kind of pivoted quickly because Steve Cohen was, was thirsty. You know, Steve Cohen was very, very much a Carlos Correa fan – and he had made a late bidding process right before the Giants signed him. And, and Boris knew that he basically had him on the hook, and, and that was going to be much easier than having the Twins concerned. And, you know, they reeled him in in 12 hours. And, and so that happened. So the Twins really didn't get that shot. And when they had another chance, they made sure to get out there. And, and I think that their president of baseball operations, Derek Falvey, 
if he didn't call on Christmas Eve, he called on Christmas or the day after. And he was in talking to him every day. And, and, you know, at first Boris was not going to engage because he had the Mets and he had the Mets at 12 and 315 million. And beyond that, um, Steve Cohen had made public comments, which, you know, that essentially can always, if, if you back out of that kind of deal after the fact, uh, there's a pretty good case that you can take that to the MLBPA and, and, and get some money for it. And, and so I think they were, they knew they had the Mets in a good spot. And so Boris kind of kept the twins at arm's length really until January 5th. I mean, the twins are calling every day, hoping to get somewhere. And Boris is saying, no, hey, if you want him, it's got to be the 10-285 that you offered. And honestly, we need you to increase it to, to $300 million. And And January 5th, I think everything kind of changed because the twins sensed the shift in tone. And I'm guessing that Boris really knew at that point that the 12 and 315 was off the table, or if it was on the table, it was going to come with some uh, some extra requirements. And what we found out after the fact was the Mets were willing to guarantee six and 157 and a half million dollars, uh, and and then include another six years with 157 million dollars in options. But there were six individual options, and each of them was attached to a physical. And and Correa had blown these two physicals with the Giants and the Mets, and. You know, at that point, I don't think that deal made very much sense to him. And they pivoted. They went to the Twins. Everybody started talking about a shorter-term deal, six years, five years, with a really high AAV. And it really picked up steam around that point. Um, I, I think the Twins felt like they were about 50-50 uh, last Thursday. And and as it got further and further on the weekend, I know there was a development that seemed good, good enough that Falvey called their, their owner and their, their team president and had a substantial conversation. And Monday night, uh, they, they pretty much agreed to it, and they got Carlos on the plane on Tuesday, and, and he got out. Uh, and what's really funny about that was had they not gotten him out on Tuesday, we might have had a new wrinkle in this whole saga because Wednesday the FAA grounded all those flights nationwide. Yes. And, and – could you just imagine if Carlos Correa and his family are on the runway trying to get to Minneapolis for the physical and, uh, and he gets held up and delayed or canceled flight and have to wait another day. It just, it would have added another terrible wrinkle to the whole saga for him. But uh, you know, they, they had him in town by that point. He had his physical cleared and uh, now he's a twin. Yeah. A couple of, a couple of things I want to go here first with the physical. So obviously he signed a big contract, even though there were opt-outs. He signed a big contract the year before with the Twins, and they passed him in that physical. So I'm wondering, you know, all the physicals passed by the Twins. I mean, the physical passed by the Twins. All the physicals passed by the Astros. And now all of a sudden, long-term or not, now not being able to sign these physicals with other teams, and now he can sign with the Twins. It's just, it, it seems very odd, this whole when he can pass a physical, when he can't, based on years and money. Yeah, there, there's some components to that, and, and Boris alluded to the fact that this was probably a little bit more than just, um, you know, there, there might have been a little bit more play with the Mets' new deal with that six years, all the six option years all attached to physicals. Um, but I, the best way to, I think, explain it is, I mean, look, the twins are at six years and 200 million guaranteed. And then they have four options that are all vesting based off performance, but they have team options if he didn't hit those levels. And I think it's, uh, in 2028, he would have to have 500, 575 plate appearances the following year, 550, the following year, 525 and the following year, 502. Um, they, 
that's all that has to happen. He doesn't have to pass a physical with any of those. But I think when you're six years and 200 million, I think it's a lot easier to look and you don't have to forecast the way that the giants and the Mets do. And, and when you're talking about 38 year old Carlos Correa, what's that look like physically? And, and I get those concerns, especially on the giants end, because that deal was going to take him to age 41. And honestly, you knew anyways that those deals were going to probably be pretty ugly on the back end for the player that he just physically is not going to be the same guy. And I think the twins were comfortable with six years. I mean, you're right. They passed him in March at the time. I don't think they had to have the scrutiny that they needed over the ankle because in all honesty, they thought it was going to be a one-year deal anyways. Uh, The max was three years. You don't have to worry about 28, 29 and 30 year old Carlos Correa the same way you do an older guy. But that being said, uh, they, they feel good about him. They know that risk is potentially there. Of course they do. I mean, the Giants and the Mets both were pretty desperate to sign Carlos Correa, and, and both of them walked away. So there are real concerns there, but the Twins got to see him up close every day last year. They know how he takes care of himself. That includes not being willing to slide very much because he doesn't want to risk injury. He does not. You'll see it at times on routine ground balls. He's not the guy killing it down the line, and he knows it's because that play gets made 99.9% of the time. And, and of course, we as fans all want to see that guy hustling every time. Correa sort of looks at it as self-preservation. This guy is going to make that play 99% of the time. So why am I going to kill myself getting out of the box and trying to get to first base when it's more important that I'm playing tomorrow and the next day and two weeks from now and two months from now and can hurt myself. Like he, he looks at this with a big picture approach. And so they know he knows how to monitor himself. And, and beyond that, you know, he's an elite athlete. We're talking about the guy that was drafted first overall in 2012. Um, he, he knows how to work around this. They've not seen any kinds of um, hindrances that the ankle provided them. He was healthy all last year. And so when you think about that, uh, I, I think they were really comfortable because Yes, six years and $200 million is a huge deal for the Twins. They've never given out more than 184 before this. But they've also had no players really recently. I mean, Byron Buxton's great. He's the second pick behind Carlos Correa. They have a lot of very talented guys. There have been very few guys that have come into their realm that are Carlos Correa. And so they were willing to take that risk because of who he is and how he handles himself. And, and it's a really good calculated risk if you're the Twins because – you can't get him at 12 and 320 million, but if you can get him at six and 20 or 200 million, you're feeling pretty good about yourselves. Okay, so the average fan, or let's say the hardcore fan's not going to care. You're like, we got him, terrific player, he can help us. To the average fan who you need to really sell the tickets to, how are they going to feel? This guy wanted out of here. He opted out. He agreed with two other teams. Now he's back. So how's the average fan feeling about this news? You know what? There's a lot of – I mean, there should be questions at the same time, but Carlos Correa was asked that question at the press conference the other day, and he's like, look, I know that stuff happened. I'm here now. And and the truth of the matter is – he talked up Minnesota so much last year. You can tell there's – he wasn't coming back, uh, and Boris talked about it too. There was a very short list, and the Twins were one of those teams. Um, it, I think that they know how committed he is, and the team has no ill will. Derek Falvey talked about having a, no problem with the fact that Carlos walked away because 
who would pass up 350 million who would pass up 315 million and a chance to play in New York alongside Verlander and Scherzer and Francisco Lindor and try to help the the Mets who won 101 games last year like who could fault someone for wanting that that said he's not coming here with feeling down he really liked the Twins young player um, core that is coming along the uh, Buxton's Jose Miranda's Luis Arise who won the batting title last year Royce Lewis uh, Brooks Lee who they drafted out Cal Poly slow who looks like he could make the majors later this year Look, the, there's a very talented group here that, that he's happy to kind of be the leader of. And, and so I think when he took all that into account, he, he really did want to be there if the Twins could get even close enough financially. They weren't. They got blown out of the water by $65 million by the Giants. And even the Mets, when they reworked that deal, were about $30 million more than what the Twins had been at. And I, I, you just can't fault a guy for taking that kind of spot, and the Twins don't. And I, I think fans – We'll see it in this, the de- uh, dedication every day because he's not the kind of guy that sulks. He wants to win. He's here to win. He thinks they can win. And I think that should resonate. It may take a little while, but it should resonate. And look, he didn't want a, a, a trade clause. And he, he asked for a no trade clause. He didn't want any opt-outs in this deal. And, and he wants to be here for the duration. And that, that can be a 10-year deal very easily. So I, I think that eventually he wins him over. Let's end on this. What's important beyond just the Minnesota Twins to me is this deal sets a precedent for mid-market to smaller market teams. You can throw us in there, the Oakland Athletics, to where as of right now and anytime soon, we're not signing any $11, $13 million contract. It's, or I should say 11-year, 13-year uh, year contract. But if it's six years guaranteed and then the rest – is off you got to earn it type years this sets a precedent don't you think for mid-market and small market teams that they can look at this contract and say hey the carlos correa contract is something that the mid-market smaller market teams that's something they can swallow versus offering a 11 to 13 year deal that's completely guaranteed i mean i would definitely be selling that if i was those teams and the way i would sell it is how the twins did it they appealed to uh, the fact that he loved it here. They appealed to the fact that their family services um, were unpar- are, are unparalleled. They love, you know, players rave about it, guys who come in for the first time, the way that the Twins take care of players' families, all that stuff. They're, they do the little things to make up for the fact that they can't do the big things. And other teams should take that lead because, look, I covered Adrian Gonzalez when he was uh, with the Padres and – they knew they couldn't afford him any longer. And, and I remember talking at the time to Tony Gwynn about it and him saying, you know, I wish Adrian would really consider the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And that's why I always stayed in San Diego. And Adrian, I would bet you, I would bet you as much as he got paid and loved it, um, that if he could have spent the rest of his career in San Diego instead of first going to the Red Sox and then he went to the Dodgers in that trade after the Red Sox situation blew up on him and think he ended up with the Mets somewhere at the end I bet you if Adrian Gonzalez would have known that he could have gotten six years and 120 million out of the Padres and then had option years beyond that he might have considered it and I, I think it could give those mid-market teams an avenue to access to these players that they are pretty much expected to lose because they can't afford that 300 million dollar contract you know they can't afford four or five hundred million for Shohei Otani but 
if it's their own guy and, and they can keep him around on a really competitive contract, I mean, you know, it, it, it's work for both because it gives guys a chance to bet on themselves. And I know that they always want that certainty, but, you know, there's these are competitive athletes. And, and Carlos Correa can't wait to prove everyone wrong in years seven through ten with the Twins. And I think that that is a challenge to him. And he's going to enjoy that challenge. And at the same time, he's going to play in an environment he loves and, He's getting $200 million guaranteed no matter what with a chance to, you know, finish his career with the Twins. And I, I think that's a, a a good outlook for those teams. We'll see if it works because, let's be honest, the almighty dollar usually wins. Hey, great stuff as always. Enjoy Florida and spring. And when we're going around the league and covering the teams, let's hook up in spring training and go over the entire Twins team. But thanks so much for the time. You be well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, good stuff by him. I mean, it's it, it's unreal. It's fascinating. I mean, you're you're not you're not going to see this. I mean, what a wild time. I mean, if you're a diehard fan and you knew this guy was here for one year to use you to move on, and he agreed to terms with two other teams, and yeah, I know it's for a lot more money and guaranteed years, but then all of a sudden he comes crawling back to you. How do you feel about that? You're not going to love it. You're great. I mean, as a fan, you just got, hey, he's a talent. It's great to have him. But, I mean, it's not like someone who, like, rolled in and went, I can't wait to be here. I love this place. This is the spot I want to be for the rest of my career. I love being a twin. I mean, you, you can't buy that. No. But he, but they got their guy back. And apparently he's real close with Byron Buxton. So we'll see. Another guy who can't stay. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what the twins do. I mean, they, they have a good offense, but – as we were talking with uh, Terry Steinbach off the air, they don't have a number one starter. Like I was, trying to, I was literally trying to think, who is their number one pitcher? I couldn't even tell you who any of their pitchers are. Because it's the top of my head. Yeah, Barrios used to be their guy. Yeah. Let me, let me, I'm going to pull up their team real quick. Um, their starters last year. Joe Ryan, who's from San Francisco. He's 26. Dylan Bundy, I don't know if he's still even there. Sonny Gray. Oh, that's uh, right, but he's Sonny Gray. Yeah, these are some of the guys Chris they had last Archer. year. Archer. Oh, Archer. Devin Smeltzer, Josh Winder. Like, these are guys I had last year, so I don't know who's, who's even on there. Let me see, Twins. Well, we got to go. Um, it's a bit, well, We wanted to have that for you because that saga has just been fascinating in all of sports, and it's been the number one story in our sport. But good news for the Athletics. We have we're we got more coming up here on Tuesday, so we're gonna take Monday off. Correct. Correct. And then Tuesday we will be back eleven thirty. Make sure you go to the Athletics Twitter or you go to our YouTube channel that you potentially are watching right now. Shintaro Fujinami will be announced right-handed pitcher to the media to us. On Tuesday at 11.30, then we will come on after. We will have him on the program with his interpreter, and we'll break down more about the A's, their starting rotation. And we'll get to more and about probably get to know more as you'll hear questions for, for David Force. What do you expect for him in this one year that you have him? Yeah, hopefully we can, get, we can talk to David and uh, our good friend Scott Boris Tuesday. Should be fun. Oh, Scott Boris? 
You want more on the Correa deal? It'd be it'll be interesting to see how he spins this because he'll spin it as this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you know, Carlos. You know, Carlos resigning in Minnesota. We've seen the game growing a lot in Canada. Yeah. Minnesota's close to Canada, oh. the Great Lakes region. Yeah. <laughs> but wait a minute. If he only makes the two hundred million, I know you say he can make two seventy, but if he only makes the two hundred million. Uh, that means he lost like $113 million. But this is a great thing. Uh, so Scott Boris will be a lot of fun. Hopefully we can have him on the program. But we will have Shintaro Fujinami, the new A's Japanese pitcher. He The press conference, once again, 1130. Tune in on the A's YouTube channel or the A's Twitter account. And then we will be on after on the A's YouTube channel and, of course, on our own Twitter account, at AthleticsCast24. But what a blast. Once again, how do people find website Fantasy yep. Camp? If you want to be – this is your chance to be a big leaguer. Learn from Dallas Shooty Bit or not Bit. Dallas Shooty, Stu, Carney, Terry, uh, Bobby Crosby, uh, Tommy Everidge. Athletics.com slash Fantasy Camp to find out more for next year, January 10th through the 16th, 2024, right here in Mesa, Arizona. It's been a blast, and we've only been here for two days. They got a few more days. They got tomorrow. They've got – I forget it's Friday. They got tomorrow. They got Sunday, and then the championship game on Monday. Someone's crowned MVP. Someone's crowned champ. But for all these days, you get treated and get to be a Major League Baseball player. It's pretty awesome. Fantasy camp, folks, if you ever have this opportunity, take advantage of it. It's a lifelong dream. And what we have learned here, it becomes like a family because a lot of people, they get to know each other. They become lifelong friends. You're truly a Fantasy Camp team member for life. This has been special. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Whether you've been watching us on YouTube or Twitter or listening to us on the stream, it's been a blast to be down here in Mesa, Arizona. I can't wait to come back next year. I can't wait to come back in a month for spring training. But thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. That'll do it for us at Fantasy Camp. We'll see everybody on Tuesday for A's Cast Live and for the press conference at 1130. Take care, everybody. Oakland Athletics Spring Training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.